Will it be another running back avalanche again this evening? How high will the Joes push up the tight ends on the board? And who will be the team that dominates this draft from start until finish? Follow along with the live draft board and listen to our pick-by-pick analysis as we call the action from the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes Shake and Bake League number two to see who will win a 2022 FFPC main event squad. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. The lesser. Make horrible messes. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Tonight, we have the second of six special episodes for you this year. It's the 2021 FFPC Pros versus Joes Shake and Bake League number two draft tonight, and we'll be covering it for two full hours. You can follow the live draft board at youtube.com slash high stakes fantasy football. Shout out to the chat room right now. Lot it's 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 uh we had a lot of names in there and probably a lot of questions from the high stakes players hanging out for all the pros and Joes tonight coming from them. You can post those questions you might have in there, guys and girls. Uh connect with us on Twitter at HSFFO or at Eric Balkman or at Jay Farrell Elliott. Don't forget about the KFFSC at KFFSC or KFFSC.com. Facebook.com slash HSFFR is where to reach with us. Uh, reach us. And if you want to talk with us tonight, give us a call at 347-426-3682. That's 347-GAME-OVA. You can also always email the show at the inbox at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. If you have any questions for us, send them in now. We'll try to get to all the chat room questions, all the tweets, all the emails throughout the show tonight thanks to the hard work of our producer and mutual friend rob and our audio engineer and my best friend bryce as a reminder monday is the deadline for the 2021 ffpc main event early draft slot announcement when you pay for your team in full you'll get your draft slot on august 1st and remember if you already have a team in the main event in the ffpc you're going to get four hundred dollars off each additional team you add on so square those balances away now at myffpc.com. All right, let's get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's drafters. Leading things off, former guest of the show, is Jay Flake in the one spot, the FFPC Joe. Jeremy Brown, who's had a lot of success in this contest from Dynasty Trades HQ, he is in the second spot. Mike Stanowski, a guy we just had on this program as a guest, I don't know, about three or 
or four weeks ago. He's drafting third. Jason Petropoulos from Brodo Fantasy, cleaning things up from the four spot. Mark and Amy Palmer will work their magic from the five hole tonight, along with Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis picking six. Jason Kahn and Aaron Laser, former world champions of fantasy football. They are drafting seventh. And then Brian Drake from Fighting Chance Fantasy and Dwayne McFarlane, another former guest of this show from Pro Football Focus. They are picking eighth. Robert Trends, the FFPC Joe in the ninth spot. Michael Leone from Establish the Run. Second consecutive night will have an Establish the Run drafter. He is picking tenth. The uh, reigning Kentucky Fantasy Football State champions, Bradley Petrie and Darren Larson picking 11th. And, of course, Fantasy, uh, Fantasy Points co-founder Scott Barrett picking 12th tonight. Uh, that is where we are at. Now, we are already through round one tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Without further ado, let's get through this uh, first round. There were a couple of surprising picks, and uh, you can uh, feel free to offer your feedback on them. Um, Christian McCaffrey to Jay Flake is uh, is the first overall pick tonight. Jeremy Brown, a little bit of a curveball here. No Dalvin Cook, no Travis Kelsey. It's Ezekiel Elliott. He takes at the 102 tonight. Second overall pick, Ezekiel Elliott. Hopefully we get a chance to catch up with Jeremy Brown and ask him about that pick tonight. Dalvin Cook is, is uh, selected third by Stanowski. And then Jason Petropoulos takes Travis Kelsey tonight from the four spot, uh, Kelsey, the first tight end off the board. Another couple of running backs, Alvin Kamara, uh, goes in the five spots who Mark and Amy Palmer. And then Rich Rebar, this is interesting. So I, I, I teased it at the show last night. I was wondering how far Saquon Barkley would fall in the draft based on the, you know, the nebulous reporting that we're getting about his knee, how healthy it is, how healthy it is. He danced around the topic with Rich Eisen last week. He danced around the topic again. I think it was Adam Schefter or the Giants reporters uh, today. He goes 111 last night. Rich Rebar takes him at the 106 tonight. Would love to hear uh, his thought process on taking Barkley as the fifth running back off the board at the 106. We saw Darren Waller go 105 last night. He goes 107 tonight to Con and Laser as the second tight end off the board. Another couple of running backs here, as it has been all running backs and tight ends here in the first round. Derek Henry to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland here at the 108. Jonathan Taylor, a guy who barely made it in to the first round last night. He goes at the 109 tonight to Robert Trent. The first receiver is indeed off the board. Stephon Diggs is that player tonight, and it is Michael Leone from Establish the Run taking Diggs as the number one receiver off the board tonight. Austin Eckler, ladies and gentlemen, goes off the board as the eighth running back selected in round one, Eckler to Frying Pan Inc. FPI, that is Petrie and Larson here at the 111, and then Tyreek Hill, to Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points after that. Um, So you have two receivers taken in round one. You have two tight ends taken in round one. And then running backs rule the roost the rest of the way. Uh, Moving on to round two, which has just completed. So Barrett is the only player tonight in the Pros versus Joes uh, League number two, Shake and Bake Draft, to start off receiver, receiver. He goes Tyreek Hill at the 112 and then Devontae Adams at the 201. So you're looking at Hill and Adams as the start for Scott Barrett. Bear in mind, and I should have mentioned this at the top of the show, this is a non-managed draft. This is an 18-round FFPC slim draft. There are no kickers selected. There are no defenses selected. Um, and, and this is a best ball league as, as, the, um, as the season drones on. These guys can check in on their drafts uh, to see how it happens um, or check, check in on their scenes to, to see what's happening with the league, but they don't manage it. There's no ad drops. The winner of this league will get a free 2022 FFPC main event entry. That's uh, worth the better part of $2,000. 
Um, second place, they get nothing. So it is an all-or-nothing league here as Barrett uh, kicks things off in the second round with Devontae Adams. All right, moving on. One of five – nope, beg your pardon. One of six teams in the draft tonight to start off running back, running back. FPI goes Austin Eckler, the 111, and then the 202, it is Antonio Gibson from the Washington football team. So Eckler and Gibson are the way that Petrie and Larson start their draft off. George Kittle is the third tight end selected tonight. He goes to Michael Leone at the 203, so he starts off his draft with receiver tight end Diggs and Kittle. Um, At the number nine spot is Robert Trenz. He uh, pairs Cam Akers with his first-round pick, Jonathan Taylor. So he starts off running back, running back, pair of sophomore running backs in league. Taylor out of Wisconsin, Akers out of Florida State, now with Indianapolis and the Los Angeles Rams, respectively. It is Taylor and Akers for his start there from the nine hole. DeAndre Hopkins, the fourth receiver off the board to Drake and McFarland as the fifth pick in the second round, followed by Calvin Ridley, the new target monster in Atlanta. Uh, he goes at the, uh, the uh, 206 tonight to Khan and Laser to pair with, uh, with uh, Darren Waller. All right, moving on. Aaron Jones goes off the board here at the 207. Rich Rebar starts his draft off. Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, he is the third team to start off running back, running back, Barkley and Jones. Um, then uh, from the five spot, it's Mark and Amy Palmer going with Michael Thomas here uh, at the uh, 208 spot. That is the uh, sixth receiver off the board, followed by Justin Jefferson, the final receiver selected, In the second round, Jason Petropoulos from Brodo Fantasy takes him there. So he starts off uh, tight end receiver. So three squads, interestingly enough, not necessarily in this order, but they start off the draft with both a receiver and a tight end. That's Petropoulos from the four spot. That's Khan and Laser from the seven spot. And that's Leone from the 10 spot uh, with a receiver and tight end to start. No running backs for any of those guys in the first two rounds. We have a trio of running backs to complete round two, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Chubb to Mike Stanowski. uh, Then Najee Harris, the rookie, to Jeremy Brown. Jeremy Brown takes Najee Harris to pair with Ezekiel Elliott, who he took at the 102. Harris off the board with the penultimate pick in the second round, followed by Joe Mixon as Jay Flake begins his draft with two heavy, heavy volume uh, guys that are going to be on the field a bunch this year. Uh, in McCaffrey and Mixon there. So you have five teams, I beg your pardon, six teams in this draft tonight starting off running back, running back. With an FFPC slim, there is an emphasis placed on volume and touches. And certainly we see that here in the first two rounds tonight with six squads going with a running back, running back start. Now that's going to dilute the running back um, uh, player pool here going forward, but it's also I'm going to create a lot of receivers and tight ends going off the board starting in round three is what we're seeing right now. want to bring in my co-host for his analysis on the first two rounds. You follow him on Twitter at Jay Farrell Elliott. You play in the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. He is the commissioner, quite frankly, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, welcome into the program. We got two rounds off the board. Um, I think the big story of round one was Jeremy Brown going Ezekiel Elliott with the second overall pick. What do you make of that, man? You know, Zeke is gaining bulky. A a lot of respect to everyone talks about how uh, he is refocused, how he is conditioned, how they expect a big comeback for him this year with the Cowboys. And, And I can agree with that. He gets his quarterback back. He returns 
some better play on the offensive line. His receivers have another year of seasoning under them. Um, the Cowboys team is, is, is a soft landing spot for any featured running back. Zeke Elliott uh, has a wide range of potential outcomes, but you would expect him to be in the top five running backs, and could he challenge McCaffrey for the number one spot? Perhaps. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible. Non-zero chance of that happening. And, and Jeremy Brown obviously knows Ezekiel Elliott well, given all the dynasty uh, prep he did on him when he was at Ohio State and then obviously coming into the NFL as well. He knows what his worth is. And certainly for a redraft-only league, Brown would be the guy to know about him. Wasn't getting him at the 211, so he gets him at the 102. Um, Farrell, the other thing, too, I, I wanted to bring up tonight. We saw the, the report from Jordan Renan on ESPN.com today about Saquon Barkley kind of smiling, saying, you know, we'll see if I'm going to be ready for, uh, for training camp, and then um, wasn't so, smiling so much when he was asked about week one. So this is interesting um, because he went at the 111 last night. I was thinking after the report today, we might see him go in the second round of the pros versus Joe's. He actually goes earlier tonight. Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis uh, takes Saquon Barkley at the 106. Is that too high for you based on the report we heard today? Rich may not have been uh, privy to that report. But, yeah, I I don't like what I'm hearing. This, this is the only player pre-camp short of Aaron Rodgers that you're just not hearing much encouragement from, in the, even the player. You know, a lot of players now are showing up in various media um, outlets in so many ways that they can communicate that they are ready to play. They're hungry to play. They're wanting to return to the field. They expect big things. They're going to have a Pro Bowl season. You're not hearing any of that from Barkley, and it may be because some of it is true. Um, let's move on to the third round here as we, uh, we continue the pick-by-pick analysis. We're seeing you know, sort of like what we saw last night, right? We saw a lot of receivers go off in the third round. We're seeing a lot of the receivers go off in the third round because of the emphasis put on running backs in the first two rounds. You're looking at 14 running backs out of the first 24 picks uh, 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 being selected tonight. The receivers uh, went fast and furious here in the third round with seven of them going off the board. Jay Flake got things started with DK Metcalf to be his number one receiver as the eighth receiver off the board. Then we see a, a, a bunch of uh, sophomore running backs here uh, right in a row. Jeremy Brown goes with J.K. Dobbins, then Clyde Edwards-Alaire to Mike Stanowski. Now what's interesting about that is these guys are drafting in the two and three holes. They both start with three straight running backs. They can start three straight run, or they can start three running backs every single week, but they start their draft with three straight running backs. We'll see how they fill in the cracks later. Uh, with Dobbins, Edwards, Alaire going to Brown and Stanowski, respectively. DeAndre Swift, the number one running back drafted by Jason Petropolis from Brodo Fantasy Football. And then we see a receiver run. Allen Robinson to Mark and Amy Palmer. A.J. Brown to Rich Rebar. Keenan Allen to Khan and Laser. Terry McLaurin to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarlane. Then we see the rookie Kyle Pitts finally getting selected tonight uh, to Robert Trenz as his number one tight end at the 309. Pair of Cowboys receivers right after that. It's C.D. Lamb to Michael Leone and then Amari Cooper to FPI there with the penultimate pick of the third round. And then Chris Carson, a guy who went early in the third last night, falls to the 312 tonight to Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points. That is your third round, ladies and gentlemen. Farrell, in an 18-round slim draft like this, obviously people want to get those running backs early. Is, is three straight running backs the way to go when you're drafting from the front end of, of this uh, process, like Brown and Stanowski were from two and three? Is that a place uh, or is that a spot where you'd want to start off your draft with three straight running backs? 
I think so, because that match of the six running backs uh, for these two squads, you can't argue with any one of those players. Now you've got that set, and that despite how many wide receivers are going off the board, tight ends still here in this format push wide receivers down further. At least three or four are already gone that would not be gone in, in um, non-tight end premium formats. And I only bring that up for, because we just feel that the wide receiver core is so very deep here with with potential of 70, 80, even 90 catch players uh, going in the early double-digit rounds. So in this format especially, go get your running backs. I think that's a smart move. And those guys not only did it, but they got the, 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 uh, the pick of the party, so to speak. You know, what's interesting, too, is um, the, the two players that did it, the only two players in this draft to start off with three straight running backs. Farrell, we interviewed Mike Stanowski on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour roughly a month or so ago, and we're really impressed with, uh, with his analysis, his insight uh, into how he likes to build teams, not only in the main event in the FFPC, but these slim drafts as well. Um, and then the other guy, Jeremy Brown, as Ron Jeremy in the uh, BTR chat just pointed out, um, Jeremy Brown's won his individual league in the pros versus Joes both in 2020 and 2019. So he's looking to three-peat as a champ this year. He'll be looking to take down his first-ever FFPC main event come September this year when he is either drafting online or live at Planet Hollywood on the Strip in Las Vegas, Nevada. So certainly smart guys doing what smart guys do there in the third round. Moving on to the fourth David Montgomery is who Scott Barrett selects as his second running back as the first selection off the board in the fourth round. And then a pair of Buccaneers receivers, Mike Evans to uh, Petrie and Larson, and then Chris Godwin to Michael Leone from Establish the Run. He is the first player tonight with three receivers drafted. Chris Godwin joins that squad of Stephon Diggs, George Kittle, and CeeDee Lamb. No running backs yet. So he uh, might, might have a zero RB drafter here in our midst from Leone. Um, we'll see what happens here as the fifth round rolls on. But completing the fourth round, Miles Sanders is the third running back selected by Robert Trenz. TJ Hawkinson, the number five tight end selected tonight, and the number one tight end selected by Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland from the eight hole. Quarterback has been cracked. Patrick Mahomes, once again, is the first quarterback off the board to Jason Kahn and Aaron Lazor. And then Mark Andrews right after that as the uh, next pick in the fourth round to Rich Rebar as his number one tight end. All receivers here from the, uh, for the rest of the fourth round. The former Falcon and new Titan, Julio Jones, joins uh, Mark and Amy Palmer's team at the uh, 408 selection. Uh, Robert Woods to Jason Petropoulos as his number two receiver. Uh, his real-life teammate, Cooper Cup, goes right after him in uh, Mike Stanowski's number one receiver after he started off with three straight running backs. Um, Jeremy Brown does the same thing here as he goes receiver with the final, uh, figure pardon, the second to last pick of the fourth round. Tyler Lockett is his number one receiver. Maybe not the number one receiver for Seattle, but the number one receiver for the Dynasty Trades HQ podcast co-host. And then Adam Thielen, the final pick of the fourth round to former guest of the show, Jay Flake, joining DK Metcalf as he starts off running back, running back, receiver, receiver in the fourth round. Farrell, when would you start looking? I, I can't remember if we talked, and we're getting, I know it's, it's only the, the second day of doing this, but the analysis is already starting to blur. And I, I forgive me if we talked about this last night, but 
when you want to be elite at quarterback, what round would you start looking at drafting a quarterback if you wanted to get an elite one right away, whether it's Mahomes or Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, any of those guys? Is it the fourth round? Would you, would you wait a little bit more? What's your philosophy on quarterbacks in an 18-round slim draft? In this format, I'm shocked that the quarterbacks are going off that quickly. Now, Mahomes obviously is going to lead the party, and why not? But it will be, as we look at the fifth round, I think we'll see even more quarterbacks exposed there to the early drafters. And and I don't understand it, especially if you're going to do three quarterbacks. There's excellent quarterbacks in the 9, 10, 11th rounds that when you begin to – Put them together or booking them back to back throughout your drafting, uh, you're going to get the performance of the, these elite uh, quarterbacks that are off the board. So I think the guys that are taking the elite quarterbacks, they may have come to the decision that they're freeing up an extra spot, and we'll see if that happens. But if any of these guys spend three spots on a quarterback, I think they're um, I think they're making a mistake. Three four seven four two six thirty six eighty two three four seven game over. If you want to give us a call and give us your thoughts on the second of six live pros versus Joe's drafts that we are covering right here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football, our fifth round is now complete. It is the quarterback round, as uh, Farrell just gave you his elite quarterback analysis. A lot of elite quarterbacks going off the board here in the fifth. Jay Flake uses the five hundred one on one Dak Prescott over Murray over Allen. Dak Prescott is the second quarterback drafted. Um, tonight and Farrell I guess the the question I have for you here remember how good that Cowboys offense looked last year with Dak Prescott in charge then he gets hurt the whole team and the whole offense really goes to pot I'm actually surprised that Dak Prescott is not being drafted as the second quarterback off the board more often this year uh, in these FFPC slims you know um, and shout out to Darren Armani, who runs FantasyMojo.com, who provides all this great FFPC draft analysis, including the ADP that we'll be citing on the show tonight. He does a great job with that. You should definitely be subscribing to his site if you play in the FFPC. But Dak Prescott normally going off the board at QB4 at the end of the fifth round. Farrell, people are drafting him on average over the last five days after Josh Allen, after Kyler Murray. Why is there not more Dak Prescott love this year for Dallas? I don't know. It's a recency bias, perhaps, but it, it's, it's somewhat foolish, I think. I And I fall for it, because when when he's available as the fifth and sometimes even the sixth quarterback, I can't let it go past me if I can get him in the draft. It's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to stack him with his receivers, either Lamb or Cooper. Gallup comes and uh, Gallup comes later. I, I don't understand it because, and, and if you if you question this strategy, you should go back and watch some of the games that they're replaying, either streaming or on the NFL Network, and you'll see Dak Prescott at his best. And, and you talk about another guy that's aching to come back and be a great competitor uh, and, and and bring that to his team. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be in business with Dak Prescott, Bucky, and I believe that he will uh, supplant uh, some of the guys uh, as we move. Uh, some of the guys, some of the time, as we move into the uh, to the main event. 
One of the great things about the pros versus Joes every year, it is a total get your guys format. You don't know what the Mm -hmm. other um, pros and Joes are going to be doing. You don't know what they're capable of. Anybody could go anywhere, even more so. And a lot of people say that about the FFPC. You know, anybody can go anywhere. You you can't follow ADP that much because each draft is so unique. But um, I I think here, if you're Jay Flake and you do like what you were saying, Farrell, if you do like Prescott as a quarterback this year, you ain't getting him at the final pick in the sixth round. And if you like him better than Marion <laughs> Allen, you have to take him with the first selection of the fifth round, which is, uh, which is exactly what Jay Flake did there. All right, moving on. DJ Moore, the second receiver drafted by Jeremy Brown here to pair with Tyler Lockett. Josh Jacobs, Mike Stanowski's fourth running back. He grabs Josh Jacobs as the 21st running back off the board at the 503. Speaking of three, those were the next three picks. Quarterbacks, that is. Kyler Murray to Jason Petropoulos. Josh Allen to Mark and Amy Palmer, and then Lamar Jackson to Rich Rebar. Interestingly enough, Rich Rebar took Mark Andrews in the fourth round. Lamar Jackson is his fifth-round pick, so he has that Ravens hookup uh, there with the tight end and the quarterback. Javante Williams, right after that, the rookie running back out of Denver, is going to be the top running back selected by Jason Kahn and Aaron Lazor there from the seven-hole. A bunch of receivers then. Odell Beckham to Drake and McFarland. Jamar Chase. The new Bengals rookie, he goes to number nine spot, Robert Trends, the FFPC Joe. T. Higgins, the fourth receiver selected by Michael Leone. And then you're looking at Deontay Johnson from Pittsburgh to FPI. That's Darren Larson and Bradley Petrie there. Uh, final pick of the fifth round is Travis Etienne to Scott Barrett. So after Barrett goes heavy receiver here with Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, he pounds the backfield, Carson Montgomery, and now ETN in the fifth round. Farrell, um, I was just crushed. In fact, I was doing a local um, NFL draft special here in northeast Wisconsin for the local terrestrial radio station I work for, and we covered the, the first round for, oh, it was about two, two and a half hours, basically until the Packers made their pick, which is all anybody up here cared about. Um, but I was talking earlier on the program how I had draft. I didn't draft. I got James Robinson um, off the waiver wire in a lot of my dynasty leagues in the preseason. And loved, obviously, what he did in 2020 for me. And I thought the signing of Carlos Hyde kind of got me in the clear with not trading Robinson. Because Hyde's not the type of guy that would all of a sudden become the bell cow there. He's more of a backup, maybe, you know, take some of the carries away from Robinson. But Robinson's still going to be the bell cow. And I, I don't know how we didn't get a massive six-figure FCC fine when I saw the Jaguars take Travis Etienne late in the first round. I just lost it on air. I was so frustrated. James Robinson in so many dynasty leagues, and now that's out the window. Or is it? Can Travis Etienne I, – I should, I'll phrase the question like this. Do you think Travis Etienne – how likely is it that Travis Etienne and James Robinson can both be top 25 running backs this year in the same backfield in Jacksonville? Everyone who's listening to us regularly, Balky, knows what I feel about James Robinson. And every day that we get closer to the start of camp, I feel better about having James Robinson on the team. Now, I'm not joined by a lot of people here because he's remaining in the seventh round. He hasn't gone yet tonight. And it's a situation where people need to look at the improving offense that Jacksonville is going to have. Uh, The fact that Etienne has already been – it's already been communicated that he is going to be a move halfback, very similar to what we're going to see with with Drake out with the Raiders. Uh, There's enough opportunity, and it could be better opportunity for James Robinson. How many times, if you'll go back and watch the games, 
Because there's so much value in watching the games. How many times James Robinson last year have to run the ball into the stacked box? We talk about all these players who were compromised by playing with quarterbacks, uh, subpar quarterbacks last year, and Robinson had that experience while down at Jacksonville. He's got a lot of things that are going to be better for him this year, more weapons around him, more opportunity not to be the focus of the defense. I like James Robinson this year, and I think drafters should too. Whoever gets him, uh, you know, perhaps our friend Mike, Mike Stefanski will continue to uh, uh, to draft running backs, but uh, it's uh, it's a situation where James Robinson, like we said, Bulky, he's this year's James Robinson as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, we did say that, and, and I hope you're right on that because that would certainly that would help me out of a couple of jams, as Melissa McCarthy would from SNL would say. Uh, we want to uh, bring you the sixth round here shortly and tell you exactly what happened there. Before we get to the sixth round, I do want to go out to the phone lines and take a phone call from the 610 right now. 610, you are live on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hours coverage of the FFPC Pros versus Joes. I am Balky. He is Farrell. Who are you? Balky and Farrell, Darren Armani. How we doing, boys? <laughs> we are doing good. And, and uh, by the way, Darren Armani, gave him the shout-out uh, right away. Webmaster over at FantasyMojo.com. Follow him on Twitter, at FantasyMojo. Basically the godfather of the pros versus Joes. Basically, and I, I, you know, some people say, oh, Darren helps put this together every year. No, he basically puts oh, no. the whole thing together. So shout-out to yeah. you, my friend. Awesome job, as always. We had a great draft last night. We're having a great draft tonight. I noticed that you are in the draft tomorrow night, Darren. Normally you wait for the final draft just in case you have to fill in for anybody everywhere. Why are you switching from draft six to draft three this year? I, I ping pong around. I, I was actually originally slated for a draft five next Monday night, and then somebody had a conflict and nobody wanted to switch. So I, I took one for the team and I switched with the guy. So I'm in, I'm in the draft tomorrow night. So everybody better show up on next week's drafts, because I can't fill in for that. We'll have to, you know, go to the bullpen <laughs> if, if something happens there. I, uh, so, thank yeah, you so our, I'm, I'm, our, our, I'm not going to mind it. Yeah, well, and, and I'll tell you this, too, right now. Thanks to the hard work of, of another person at the FFPC who deserves all the credit in the world, uh, Chris Lambert, I think she already has assembled a murderer's row bullpen here. So if it gets it gets to be that way, um, where we do need to call in on a closer to make sure we, we have the, the spot filled. She is going to um, Connie Mack it for us and uh, fill in no problem there with, uh, with, with some closer coming out of the bullpen. So, Darren, um, you saw the draft last night. You see the draft tonight. We, uh, I, I led off with the, the show with this tonight. I was wondering if Saquon Barkley would fall to the second round tonight based on the, the reporting we saw from Jordan Renan. He goes 111 yesterday. Rich Rebar grabs him at the 106 today. How surprised were you to see Barkley go as the fifth running back off the board um, at the 106 tonight? Uh, I mean, it's not going to shock me to see him, you know, go, go in a wide range. It's going to be depending upon the person, so. But when you see so the interesting thing about these drafts is, you know, everybody's got their hot takes on, on Twitter about players and whatnot, but this is where the rubber hits the road right here. When these guys, there's a big prize on the line, they got one shot at this, and you see them, you know, taking the guys that, that they have faith in. So if Rich Rebar, who's very well respected, is, is going after Barkley, that should send a message to people. 
Yeah, no, I think you're right for sure. Darren, what do you think on the biggest change? What, what's the biggest change you've noticed when you compile the data based on when this used to be a 28-round best ball marathon with kickers and defenses? Now it's just the 18-round slim sprint. What's the biggest difference you see? Do you see um, more home run swings in, in these type of formats now, knowing that you know every little thing counts, and if you can hit on uh, a guy in, you know, in, in the mid-rounds that may represent a pretty low floor but a tremendously high ceiling, you see a lot of guys going for that. What's the biggest difference that you've seen since I the mean, format switch? I think it's actually less of that because with, with the smaller roster, you can't afford to, to, you know, to, to have too many dart throws right, on your, and hope that they like, mm-hmm. catch fire late in the season. You've got limited roster spots. You've got to start scoring points right out of the gate. You can't wait for you know, Tony Pollard to, to suddenly you know, enter the lineup in, in week 15. So I'm seeing, you know, more, not, not like a conservative approach, but it's got to be people who have like a solid outlook um, and not like back in the days when we had 28 rounds, you, you would say, I think that was like a, like Terry McLaurin was, I think one of those guys that would get drafted like, you know, round 26, 27, that first year he came out. I think you, you see less of that now because there's just not, you know, room um, for as many of those guys. You That's are a good point. Tomorrow. Hey, Darren, I really – Go ahead, Farrell. Boggy, I wanted to thank Darren before we went much longer. I was really thrilled tonight when I saw this roster. It's near and dear to my heart in the number seven and the number 11 spot. In, in seven, we have uh, Con and Lacer, tremendous success they've had across formats in different leagues, and they, they play uh, in Kentucky every year. And in the number 11 spot – uh, Petri and Larson, who are our 2020 uh, KFFSC state champions. So we were, I was very thrilled to, to watch what they're doing. So I, I already had built in guys that I'm rooting for in this draft and, and all of them uh, or each of them have, uh, have utilized your uh, data that you've produced uh, in the mojo. Yeah, there, uh, there's, um, years. there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, under, under the radar guys in these drafts that, because a lot of the very successful high-stake players, they're not necessarily out on Twitter, you know, going back and forth. But, you know, like last night we have Jeff Tirabasi, who is very well accomplished. And there are, there are many six-figure winners sort of hidden within the Joes lineups here that people aren't aware of. So if the pros come in with too much confidence, I mean, they should really be on their guard because the Joes are, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, they're – Laying it, laying it, wait, ready to uh, to take down these pros here. Yeah, and, and that's sometimes by design too. A lot of the pros out there don't want you to know how successful they are because that's because, or you know, part of the reason is because that's how they have become so successful. Is nobody knows who they are. And, and Jeff Tirbasi, great example of that guy who's done very well in the FFPC main event. Former high society champion, former big payback champion. Those are ten thousand and five thousand dollar buy-in leagues, respectively. Uh, he's done very, very well for himself there. Darren, you are picking ninth tomorrow. Now, ninth pick last night, Billy Muzio took Tyree Kill. Ninth pick tonight, you have uh, a, a situation where Robert Trends takes Jonathan Taylor. You think either of those guys will be your selection at one oh nine tomorrow, or are you looking elsewhere? Uh, I think the first eight players off the board are, are going to be pretty – they're pretty fixed. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to expect at nine. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I have – there's a couple different avenues that I can go down. Um, but, 
you know, we'll just have to wait and see. So I don't really have a draft plan other than to just, you know, take what's there and then, then go down the appropriate path when, uh, when I see what I get. Story of the first round tonight, uh, Darren, was Jeremy Brown, at least in the first round, the story of the night was Jeremy Brown taking Ezekiel Elliott at the 102. We got Farrell's thoughts on that earlier. Um, I, you know, this is a situation where you, if, if you want him and you like him best, you're not going to be able to get him in the second. So you sort of have to take him 102. What do you make of that trigger pull with Ezekiel Elliott to Jeremy Brown from Dynasty Trades HQ going at the 102 over guys like Dalvin Cook, Travis Kelsey, and more? I mean, it's not – you can rationalize that pick. I mean, it looks weird cause, just because we don't see it that often. But, I mean, if, if Dallas is, is, you know, back on their game, then that certainly could pay off. And, and you know, Brown is one – He's been in it two years, and he's won both years, so it's kind of hard to knock him. <laughs> now, the pick that he made in the third round is also suspect, with Dobbins going ahead of CEH. That's also odd. But, you know, he's got a track record, so what can we do? Darren, you crunch the numbers. You crunch the data on, on these, not only the, the slim leagues here, but also, obviously, all the best balls, the, the football guys, players, championship, the main event. Um, but what, what do you make of teams who go three straight running backs to start started off uh, like Brown and Stanowski did tonight from the two and three spots? And then conversely, I guess you could, you, we could talk about Michael Leone's team in the, uh, in the 10 hole where he doesn't take a running back until the sixth round. What do you make of those starts, both the zero RB and the robust RB? I mean, the robust RB, it, it's proven to have worked. You just, you got to make sure that those guys are healthy. Um, and I tweeted out uh, the seven winning lineups from last year's pros versus Joe's, and you saw a whole variety of, of roster constructions. So any of these can work. It really comes down to landing the players who are going to score the most points, right? I mean, but you have, drafting this early, you've got to avoid injuries. Um, there's a lot of unknowns ahead of you, so there's a good bit of luck too. But, but I don't mind um, like a robot. Like I think Reed and, uh, Jay Reed and Scott Connor last night went for – uh, four running backs right out the gate, and um, it's, it's a viable strategy. If you remember Chris Banks years and years ago, oh yeah, he, he, I play fantasy. He only drafted four running backs. He took a similar approach. To this day, he still has the highest uh, had the highest point score for pros versus Joe's in the season, even even through today. But that year, he only took four. And he took them early. So I mean, it, it's a it's a you know it's had has has had success in the past. And, and crack a beer open because this will be the first Tim McCulloch mentioned tonight, the, uh, the guy who only drafted one tight end in a 28-round best ball, Antonio Gates, and we all said his team was dead in the water. What does he do? Not only wins his league, he wins the whole GD thing. So congratulations to Tim McCullough. I have to bring him up every single year. I think he's just focusing on baseball now. God only knows what he's bringing all his fans and all his readers and subscribers with baseball analysis. Certainly everybody who reads what he has to say is certainly getting an edge. Um, Darren, you have won uh, the Kings Classic before. You are a former Pros versus Joe's League champ. You are a former Scott Fishbowl League champ as well. Um, and you are the uh, creator of uh, not only FantasyMojo.com, but the FFPC Pros versus Joes. Can you uh, pimp up uh, FantasyMojo.com here a little bit? I mean, we talked about all the great um, uh, ADP data, all the boards that you could see there. Obviously, the Stack Finder is awesome for anybody who's participating in the inaugural FFPC Best Ball Tournament or the Football Guys Players Championship. What else am I missing? Why else should everybody go to FantasyMojo.com? It's essentially a one-stop shop um, for a high-stakes player. Uh, it's so, yeah, the boards, the ADP, the stack finders, 
Um, I, personally, I find the, uh, the historical waiver wire data invaluable once the season hits. I mean, you can pretty much know exactly what players are going to cost based upon, you know, what, what, the, what they went for in, in previous years as, as the weeks went on. Um, there's, there's analysis of, of best ball construction. Um, obviously, the pros versus Joes, the complete history. Uh, if, if people go to the front page of FantasyMojo.com, there's a, there's a virtual site tour that walks you through the 10 most popular features. And another thing that we have is, uh, you know, if, if you're an FFPC player, we have like a, an ownership report that we have for each person. So it basically shows you, you know, your, your player ownership broken down by the specific uh, contest format. So, you know, what is my ownership in the main events? What is it in the football guys? But it breaks it all down, slices and dices. So, um, so yeah, it's everything um, that the high stakes player would need. And one more thing I want to pin before I go, if anybody who's heading out to the, uh, the Fantasy Football Expo uh, in Canton, Ohio, in about four weeks, I am doing a, a presentation on transitioning to high-stakes fantasy football. So that's geared, that's like a, a, a high-stakes one-on-one for people who might not yet be playing in the FFPC or any other high-stakes event. They'll, they'll want to check that out. Uh, that's going to be a, a very good uh, informative presentation for people, I feel. Darren, we uh, certainly appreciate you uh, checking in with us tonight. Don't be a stranger. Good luck in your league tomorrow. I hope you crush it. I hope you uh, you know win that uh, that 2022 FFPC main event squad. And um, and maybe we'll touch base again with you um, uh, before the PBJ ends. Uh, for sure, we'll we'll hook up in Vegas at uh, Planet Hollywood, man. All right, that sounds good, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Darren. Darren Armani, ladies and gentlemen, the founder of FantasyMojo.com, the creator of the FFPC Pros versus Joes, and really the curator of putting this together every single year. Uh, this contest simply would not happen if it were not for him. And by the way, as long as I'm saying that, there's a lot of FFPC players out there who would not have a lot of money in their wallets if it wasn't for Darren Armani's website, too. So make sure you are checking that out. Let's get into the uh, – I guess we'll, we'll try to go to the sixth round here, Farrell. Um, I'll, I'll, we can fall down the rabbit hole so easily with Darren Armani. But as we go to the sixth round here, kicking things off, the number one tight end for Scott Barrett is Dallas Goddard. Brandon Ayuk, the fourth uh, receiver selected by Petrie and Larson. Mike Davis uh, is Leone's first running back there. Uh, as he goes 0RB, Mike Davis is his first running back selected in the sixth round. Kenny Galladay, the new giant, is now a new member of Team 9. That is Robert Trends, the FFPC Joe. Kareem Hunt after that, followed by your boy Chase Claypool to Khan and Laser. Uh, Robbie Anderson to Rebar, and then Juju Smith-Schuster over to the five spot. That is Mark and Amy Palmer. Miles Gaskin, another Farrell Elliott favorite. He goes to Jason Petropoulos from Brodo Fantasy Football. And then Russell Wilson, Trey Sermon, and Noah Fant finish off the sixth round here as we move forward into the seventh. Um, no surprise when we see it. We, we talked a little bit about the Steelers uh, receivers last night, Farrell. Claypool and Smith-Schuster uh, seem tied together at the hip in ADP, not only for the FFPC Slim right now, but also for the Football Guys Players Championship. Are you? I know you love Claypool, but are you surprised that Claypool and Smith-Schuster are going so close together on average in these drafts? No, I'm not, because you can't really separate them Statistically, uh, Schuster's probably going to catch some more passes. Claypool's going to get better yards. I heard a, a commentary recently about the play of the quarterback. It was something to the effect of Roethlisberger's arm is going to fall off. I don't. I, I had to chuckle about that. You know, what was happening with this club last year, 
is that they were keen on the pass. Defenses were keen on the pass because they had so little production uh, out of the running back position. That's going to change. They had a very, very nice draft pick, and it's going to change the whole look of this team. It's going to free these receivers up. These guys that had huge, huge numbers in, in receptions last year, they're going to even be better with touchdowns. They're going to even be better uh, with yardage. And I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a focus on the three top receivers. So these guys are all being drafted as they should be. And, uh, you know, the, the four and five receiver, uh, very small contribution from the tight end in Pittsburgh, although I do like the rookie that nobody's drafting. But uh, anyway, that's, that's a long answer to probably what we've got a lot of questions tonight. But that's, that's something that, that we're seeing with Pittsburgh. We're seeing it with Dallas. Uh, who else are we seeing it with uh, uh, in these, in these uh, uh, tandem of well, certainly, receivers but, from the same team? Yeah, the going, the going L.A. Rams, there. I think, would be another one, too, with Woods yeah. and Cup. Um, Lockett, Metcalf. Yep. Uh, well, Lockett and Metcalf are kind of separated by a round now, but yeah. Woods and Cup have been going back-to-back quite a bit. Um, we, we've seen that uh, quite often. And to a certain extent, well, we saw it with Evans and Godwin going back-to-back tonight, too. We saw Woods and Cup go back-to-back, Evans and Godwin go back-to-back, and Cooper and Lamb all go back-to-back. These guys are teammates, and Claypool and Smith-Schuster only separated by Robbie Anderson, too. So we're seeing that a lot. Speaking of teammates, um, another pair that went back-to-back, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins in Cincinnati. They go in the fifth round. And then lonely Tyler Boyd slips to the 701 to Jay Flake as his number three receiver. Matthew Stafford goes after that to Jeremy Brown as his number one quarterback, followed by DJ Chark, the number two receiver for Mike Stanowski after he goes heavy running back early, Chase Edmonds and James Robinson to Petropolis and then Palmer, respectively. Jerry Judy, Michael Carter, and Devontae Smith. So Judy, the second-year sophomore to uh, Freebar, I guess all sophomores are second years. Uh, Michael Carter, and he didn't redshirt. Michael Carter, the rookie, to uh, the drafted junkies. That's Jason Kahn and Aaron Laser, And then Devontae Smith right after that. So a pair of rookies there. Uh, Smith going to Drake and um, uh, McFarland. Justin Herbert, uh, number one tight end, uh, quarterback uh, selected for uh, Robert Trends tonight. And then Debo Samuel is wide receiver number five for Leone. So he will go zero RB. Drafts the four receivers and tight end in the first five rounds. Gets Mike Davis in the sixth. He goes right back to receiver in the seventh round, issuing another running back. But wait for round eight. We'll get to that in a second. Tom Brady and his torn MCL, or at least repaired MCL, we think, uh, at the 7-11 tonight. And Logan Thomas is the back to second of the back-to-back selections at tight end for Scott Barrett from Fantasy Points as he goes Dallas Goddard and Logan Thomas. All right, so you look at round seven here, Farrell. Jerry Judy's an interesting cat. One of the stories that we have seen in um, the Football Guys Players Championship over the last week, we're starting to see more drafts where Judy is being selected over Cortland Sutton. This was not happening back in January. It wasn't happening back in March. Quite frankly, it wasn't happening in June. It's starting to happen now. Judy over Cortland Sutton. Now, it happens again tonight where uh, the the, uh, sophomore out of uh, Alabama gets selected over Cortland Sutton. Farrell, right now, uh, as far as ADP goes, in the uh, FFPC slim best balls, these guys are back-to-back. Sutton is still ahead on average, but it is razor thin now. Wide receiver 31 for Sutton, wide receiver 32 for Jerry Judy, 705 and 706 on average, according to FantasyMojo.com. Which guy do you like better there for a Broncos receiver? Are you betting on Judy or Cortland Sutton coming off the ACL ligament tear? 
It's it's a tough call. I would I think the answer is to go with which one whichever of these players you can get at the better bargain. And I'm surprised that that's become Sutton because Sutton has a bigger resume, even though Judy has the recency bias. But um, we're we're sitting in a situation where we're going to see these guys go so close in the draft. Unless you're sitting at the end, you can't get both of them. But in this format, that would have been a wonderful idea. Um, let's move on to uh, to the eighth round here. After Logan Thomas, Jalen Hurts is Scott Barrett's first quarterback off the board. His first quarterback. He is the tenth quarterback off the board. Tyler Higby, number one tight end for uh, uh, Petrie and Larson. There, Raheem Mostert. Um, and I know that the YouTube chat was commenting on this. Leone goes zero RB, and then he takes two of the oldest running backs around in Mike Davis and Raheem Mostert to form his backfield. Now you could do worse than that if you're going to go zero RB. So. The running back 31 tonight, Raheem Mostert. He is also the 803, and he's going to establish the runs, Michael Leone. Damian Harris, a guy who has been rising in ADP, obviously. Uh, he goes to Robert Trent here at the 804, followed by Cortland Sutton. Zach Moss off the board as the number three running back to Khan and Laser, followed by Brandon Cooks, the number four receiver for Rebar. Uh, Mike Gesicki, Antonio Brown, and Evan Engram, uh, three uh, veterans there, Gesicki. Uh, off the board to Mark and Amy Palmer. Antonio Brown goes to Jason Petropoulos from Brodo. That's his number three receiver. Evan Engram, the number one tight end drafted by Mike Stanowski. Aaron Rodgers uh, goes off the board as quarterback 11 tonight. And then Michael Gallup um, with the final pick of the eighth round. Farrell, it, it would, listen, I, I, I'm a guy from Wisconsin here. I think I'm contractually obligated to bring you Aaron Rodgers news. I don't know if you saw this random person on Facebook saying that her friend works for a cleaning company and is scheduled to do a deep clean on Aaron Rodgers' house. Remember, Packers training camp begins eight days from today. Perhaps Aaron Rodgers is planning on reporting. I have been bullish on him being uh, the week one starter all along. It's starting more and more to look like, if you read between the lines here, that Aaron Rodgers is going to be there for the start of training camp. And if that is the case, him at quarterback 11 to me still represents a significant value right now in drafts. No kidding, the steal of the draft and guys that are wise to do it. And it, it makes sense. The guy's a competitor. He's, uh, he's a little closed-mouthed. He's a little erratic and uh, a little mysterious, but that appears to be part of uh, – it could be part of his long-term retirement plan, making himself a continual <laughs> interesting individual. But, uh, yeah, I could go on and on about uh, things that I've seen and heard about Rodgers and, and all of them point to one thing. He wants to compete, and he's not going to let down his teammates, Packers fans, uh, fans that he has all around the country. He'll open the season for the Packers under center. You know, another thing that's interesting about Aaron Rodgers, which I guess a lot of people know, he is actually a part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, and obviously the Bucks marching their way to an NBA Finals championship right now. Um, I, I have a buddy who rented a bus, as I live in, you know, in the shadows of Lambeau Field, rented a big uh, bus to bring a bunch of people down to Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee. It's about a two-hour drive from where I'm at. And he said, you got to come, Balky. you got to come. And I said, I'm doing pros versus Joe's tomorrow, man. There's no way I can do it. I can't, I can't make it. And he's still trying to get the dizzle to make a comeback to pros versus Joe's to co-host with you tomorrow. I don't think that's going to happen. But I'll tell you this. If it doesn't happen and, this, and, and the, the, the game is scheduled for 9 o'clock 
um, Eastern time tomorrow. It'll probably end about 1130. Well, we're going on the air until midnight tomorrow. So that last half hour, I apologize in advance, listeners. If the Bucks win, I'm going to be a sloppy pile, and you're not going to want to listen to the last 30 minutes of the program tomorrow. <laughs> but I will be watching it as well as watching this draft unfold. Aaron Rodgers, you know, people talk about him being, you know, so um, cryptic. And so he's been tweeting about the Bucks. He, Farrell, he's hashtagging nothing on Twitter right now. He's just putting out <laughs> tweets and then putting a hashtag with nothing behind it. You cannot get any more cryptic than that. Uh, so, Aaron Rodgers, uh, congratulations. You win the cryptic award, and maybe you'll help Jeremy Brown win the FFPC main event free entry award in this league. Moving on until uh, to the ninth round here tonight, we see a lot of receivers go off the board here. Jarvis Landry, a guy I like quite a bit. Jay Flake grabs him at the 901, followed by Mike Williams, who we know is playing the Michael Thomas role in the Saints offense that is going to be installed with the Los Angeles Chargers this year. Mike Williams to Jeremy Brown at the 902. Marquise Brown to Mike Stanowski. Will Fuller to Jason Petropoulos. Then we see Melvin Gordon go at the 9.05 tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, that is four full rounds after Javante Williams. Interesting separation there from the pros with Joes. Uh, Curtis Samuel to Rich Rebar there. That is his number five receiver, followed by Visca, LaVisca Chenault, out of Colorado, uh, now in Jacksonville. He is the number four receiver for Khan and Laser there, the former world champs. Ryan Tannehill to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland as their number one quarterback. Michael Pittman, the number three receiver, drafted uh, by Robert Trends tonight there. We'll talk about him in a, in a little bit. Joe Burrow is going to be starting at quarterback for Michael Leone. James Conner, the number three running back for Petrie and Larson. Petrie and Larson going Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson to start things off. They don't go back to the running back well until round nine where they get James Conner. And then Robert Tunyon, Aaron Rodgers' tight end. He is the third tight end drafted by Scott Barrett. Scott Barrett becoming the first player tonight to have three tight ends on his team after already selecting Dallas Goddard and Logan Thomas, he gets Robert Tunyon. Farrell, what's going on with Michael Pittman, man? Um, he falls again tonight. He goes in the ninth round. Wide receiver, 47. Um, I know you love him quite a bit. Uh, I don't know if there's and, – and, uh, by the way, it's not like he fell that much. He goes normally at wide receiver, 46, in the tenth round. But this is a player who could be the number one receiver in this offense with Carson Wentz this year. Are people still believing in T.Y. Hilton? Are they believing in Paris Campbell? I, I don't understand why Pittman, a guy that they selected early in the second round last year, is, is, and a guy who flashed last year, is going so late. I think they don't believe in Carson Wentz, which is a big, big mistake, because that means that they don't understand what was happening in Philadelphia last year. It was an absolute disaster with this ball club. Uh, from the coaching staff situation, uh, from – uh, the offensive line, which uh, disappeared very quickly throughout the season. Carson Wentz threw 12 games, Balky, 50-plus sacks last year. Through 12 games. That's one of the reasons that Jalen Hurts looks uh, so productive, is that uh, he seemed to separate himself and star when the offense broke down uh, there at Philadelphia. And it, it broke down quite often, and, and Hurts would create. And uh, some of the drafters, I think, when they look at that, uh, they, they could be putting a little bit too much emphasis on Hertz in these drafts because of that. But the question is about Pittman. Now, Pittman finished the year strong, five for 90 and a touchdown. That's the kind of production that we should regularly 
and steadily expect from this player. And, you know, when a player usually comes up and, and, and to become a number one target for a team, he has a supporting cast around him that might be a little younger, that might be a little inexperienced. T.Y. Hilton signs his free agent deal after many, many overtures from teams, stays with the Colts. Uh, the Colts also have uh, Paris Campbell to, to get essentially his first healthy opportunity to be an excellent player. And the Colts have running backs. Everybody knows who they are. I don't have to list them. And all of them are very good. And all of them can catch the ball. There's a lot of tools on this team for this quarterback. And there's a lot – defenses cannot uh, focus on Pittman and, and, and ruin his opportunities uh, Pittman's going to have a very, very good year as part of the squad, and he's going to be the lead guy. So that is, for me, as far as receiver-wise is concerned, uh, this is the steal of this draft so far. Yeah, it's a great pick. It's a great pick for sure in a, in a round where a lot of receivers went off the board. We see a lot more color here in the 10th round, the color branching off like timelines in Loki here in the 10th round as we see Running backs, receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, everybody going in the 10th. Leonard Fournette leads it off for Scott Barrett as his number four running back. Kenyon Drake right after that to Petrie and Larson. Jalen Waddle, the rookie receiver, out of Miami to Michael Leone. Uh, Matt Ryan is going to be backing up Justin Herbert for uh, Robert Trenz. Uh, then we see Jamal Williams, who's backing up DeAndre Swift in real life in Detroit. He is going to be the number three running back for Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland. Adam Troutman backing up. Darren Waller for Khan and Laser. And then you see Tony Pollard going off the board. This is another example of drafting other people's handcuffs. Rich Rebar does not allow Tony Pollard to get back to Jeremy Brown in the 10th round. He drafts him as his number three running back after starting off his draft with Barkley and Aaron Jones. David Johnson is the number four running back off the board to Team 5. That's Mark and Amy Palmer. Corey Davis, the new New York Jet. To Jason Petropoulos, followed by Irv Smith, the second tight end drafted by Mike Stanowski from the three-hole. Russell Gage and Ronald Jones complete the 10th round. Brown takes Gage. Ronald Jones, the number three running back for Jay Flake. Again, a, a player who drafted running back with their first two picks and then ignore the position until the 10th round. He gets Ronald Jones as his number three as running back 41 in this draft. You could do a lot worse there. Um, Farrell, one player I want to talk about here, and it's a player that I don't know if I brought up on the HSFF hour too much, but it's Jalen Waddle. Now, this is a player that I never really was all that um, enraptured with um, when he was at Alabama. Now, obviously, he got hurt, right? And um, mm -hmm. when, when all the eyes were on college football, he wasn't necessarily playing until that championship game. Um, I was surprised that I know all the mocks said he would go as a top 10 pick. I was still surprised to see him go in the top 10. What am I missing on Jalen Waddle? Because even for Dynasty, I, I, I wasn't necessarily on board. Oh, Michael Leone is way smarter about fantasy football than I'll ever be. But he takes Waddle here in round 10 at wide receiver 48. Can you sell me on Waddle, or are you also down on him? Not down on him, but I'm hesitant. And this is where the players should go when you have questions about it. But it is a significant upside in a situation where he has – experience or at least relationship with the quarterback. He's going to be in a, a situation very, very comfortable for him. They're going to move him. In other words, he's going to be where the defense ain't. And that's a very good thing for a receiver in this type of offense. I like the fact that uh, the quarterback can extend the play with his legs. 
and uh, the receiver is uh, the, the best part about him is his ability to get open and is his ability to stick on his routes uh, until he needs to create. So I, I think this is a, a player, and, and I'm going to look at this schedule and realize again that this is a 17-week season. This rookie player now, I don't have to qualify for my division playoffs in week 11. This rookie player is going to have a better second half of the season than he has in the first. So I think it's a very legitimate pick right here. Um, moving on here, and, and I want to, um, as I adjust the uh, draft board from everybody watching us on YouTube, by the way, right now, if, if, you, uh, if you want to see this draft, because um, uh, we've been talking about it, if you want to watch the, the draft unfold, we have it live on uh, YouTube.com slash High Stakes Fantasy Football right now. Uh, so you can actually see the draft grid and and um, no, uh, see the the picks that are unfolding as we talk about them right now. We left off in the um, in the tenth round here. Let's let's kick things off and, and go back to the tenth round or back to the eleventh round here um, with uh, with a player that is uh, another backup. Latavius Murray goes off the board here to Jay Flake to kick things off in the eleventh. Jonu Smith is the number one tight end for Jeremy Brown for Dynasty Trade HQ podcast. Nicole um, Hardman is going to be the number four receiver drafted by Mike Stanowski. Elijah Moore, the rookie from New York, to Jason Petropoulos as his number six wideout. Pair of tight ends after that. Hunter Henry backing up Mike Gesicki for um, uh, Mark and Amy Palmer. And then you have Gerald Everett off the board to Rich Rebar as his number two tight end. Darnell Mooney, a guy who really got, got a lot of hype last offseason. He's getting a lot of hype this offseason. And uh, he goes to Jason Kahn and Aaron Lazer, the former world champs there, in the 11th round. Devontae Parker and Henry Ruggs after that. Parker to Drake, Ruggs to Trends. A pair of uh, quarterbacks here, Trey Lance to Michael Leone, and then Trevor Lawrence uh, off the board to FPI. T.Y. Hilton, as we uh, were talking about him before, and we are talking about the Pittman selection, T.Y. Hilton goes to Scott Barrett here in the 11th round. Farrell, just looking here at, um, at Michael Leone's team, a lot of Niners on this squad. And based on the YouTube chat, it sounds like he is high on the Niners this year. I, I, one of the travesties is the pros versus Joes has gotten so big, I can't read everybody's articles. I can't listen to everybody's podcasts. I can't watch everybody's YouTube channel. So i got to kind of rely on everybody else to fill in the cracks here. And Leone takes a 49er in George Kittle in round two. He takes another 49er in Debo Samuel in round seven. He takes another 49er right away in round eight, Raheem Mostert, and then he grabs Trey Lamps, uh, the, the, the quarterback, um, who may or may not be starting earlier than we think, in round 11. What do you make of loading up on 49er skill position players this year, regardless of format? Um, do you, I, I know that their over-under total is like 10.5, I want to say, um, so it sounds like they're in for a bounce back. What about fantasy-wise? Are, are you down with a lot of the Niners this year? Anytime a uh a team uh, has question marks at quarterback in expectations of what they're going to do. I'm going to look away from the wide receivers. Now, now Devo Samuel had the worst luck of any player uh, in the NFL last year. He missed a lot of time. We can, we can take his season away and say that that season uh, uh, shouldn't, you shouldn't even look at that when you evaluate his potential. Uh, everyone knows uh, that knows me he knows how I feel uh, about Mostert. And uh, the question there is, uh, can he, uh, of course, remain healthy? I think he can. 
uh, in, in a situation where uh, Sermon and Elijah Mitchell, the three-headed committee that will get 500 uh, carries. I, we talked about it on the show last night. Um, I think uh, Trey Lance is, is Taysom Hill this season, so I don't believe he's got much value for that pick. This was a 6-10 and 10 football team last year that's playing in a division where everybody is continuing to get better especially Arizona on the defensive side of the ball, uh, especially Seattle that looks like it's bringing its team together uh, with a new offensive coordinator. I, li- I like the under on the wins for this team, and uh, they'll be very, very fantasy relevant. Uh, I like some of them, but not all of them. Uh, Curtin Reeve uh, is saying in the uh, BTR chat right now, i got to monitor two chat rooms right now. I don't know how I'm going to watch this Bucks game tomorrow, by the way, with all this stuff going on. It's going to be crazy. Um, Curtin Reeve says that San Francisco has a preseason top three schedule for quarterback, running back, and receiver, according to FF Toolbox. FF Toolbox, by the way, um, was, um, was launched by a young man. Well, he's not young anymore, but he was at the time of a graduate of the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh, the same college that both I and uh, Dizzle graduated from. Dizzle probably mm-hmm. doesn't want me saying that, but I'm going to say it anyway. So a lot of fantasy football brilliance uh, coming out of the UW Oshkosh, a, a team that, by the way, lost the D3 national football title a couple of years ago, which I watched that game while I was broadcasting the high-stakes fantasy football hour. Let me tell you, very depressing to do, Farrell, when they, when they lost that game to Mount Union. They were um, robbed. Bob. By the way, they were robbed. well, I don't know if they were robbed, but Mount Union made a lot of great plays at the end, and UW Oshkosh did not. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that happens. Um, it is what it is, and, and I'm over it. Uh, by the way, um, if you're wondering why I was broadcasting this show on a Friday night, this show normally airs Friday nights at 10, 9 central. You can also access in case you can't make that. I mean, Friday night, a lot of people got stuff going on, whatever. But if you can't make it live and hang out with the high stakes players in the chat room, full on demand streaming is always available for listening anytime via HSFFOR.com, Apple podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon music, audible, Google podcast, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, plenty of others on your iPhone or Android device as well. Um, we do this show every Friday night. We always have a high-stakes player on. Pick his or her brain, and um, uh, it's a lot of stuff. Like, we had a B-Bag Batoba, the back-to-back winner of the Football Guys Players Championship, a couple of weeks before he won his first one. And the next time we, we interviewed him, he had had two six-figure prizes under his belt. It was pretty crazy. Um, so stuff like that. On We've had Sharkandrick West the former Chiefs running back. A lot of the pros in the FFPC pros versus Joes have also been on this program before too. So if you like what you're hearing, um, we're going to have another great guest this Friday night, and uh, we'll continue that throughout the uh, fantasy football season. We're going to continue our analysis throughout the remainder of this draft. I believe we left off in the 12th round, the 1201 tonight goes to Cole Beasley. He is uh, the choice for Scott Barrett from fantasy points of the 1201. Daryl Henderson and A.J. Dillon, back-to-back running backs here in the second round to FPI, and then Michael Leone. Jared Cook is the second tight end drafted by Robert Trends. Then you have Baker Mayfield backing up Ryan Tannehill for Drake and McFarland. Rashad Bateman, the rookie receiver out of Minnesota, he is now a member of the Draft Head Junkies. That is Jason Kahn and Aaron Lacer. Uh, Justin Fields is going to be backing up Lamar Jackson, so you're looking at some pretty young dynamic quarterbacks there for Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis. Is that Sharp Football Analysis? I mean, it, we would love to talk to Rich about 
uh, plenty of his picks tonight. Hopefully he can uh, get a chance to call in before we sign off at the uh, yeah, in about an hour or so. Um, Devin Singletary off the board here uh, after that, followed by Gus Edwards um, to Jason Petropoulos, Jalen Rager, the second-year receiver from Philadelphia to Mike Stanowski, and then Gabriel Davis from Buffalo. He goes to Jeremy Brown. Alexander Madison off the board to Jay Flake with the final pick of the 12th round. That is what we're looking at here. And I'll say this, Farrell, it, uh, I'll just bring this up right now. Gabriel Davis is a player I don't necessarily know if I was on too much. You know, obviously with Cole Beasley there and Stephon Diggs getting paid crazy money, they bring in Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I actually traded him away in a couple of my dynasty leagues. What do you make of Gabriel, Dra- uh, Gabriel Davis for redraft purposes this year? Redraft purposes, I like him, but I don't like him as much as what Emmanuel Sanders, after Emmanuel Sanders was signed. Now we've got this commentary uh, that Beasley may be uh, leaving or Beasley may have worn out his welcome here. Um, But Sanders speaks to the fact that they're not ready for Davis to step up in as big a role as I think he could fulfill. You know, we promoted that player uh, last year as a, as a bi-week fill-in, and he delivered very, very well for teams that listened to us. I think Davis uh, is, is one year away because of the Sanders acquisition. And, you know, the coaching staff up there, they've wanted Sanders for a long time, and they're going to use him. So uh, Davis uh, will, will should drop uh, significantly as we get, as we get closer to the season. And uh, more likely, uh, we'll see him. We we may see owners get frustrated, and we'll see him again on the waiver wire. It's a long season, and be determined as what his role and contribution will be. Um, The other pick I wanted to discuss with you in the twelfth round was oh, um, the Bills backfield. You like Zach Moss better than Devin Singletary, right? And, And by the way, before you answer that. I'll tell you that Singletary went in the 12th round tonight. Zach Moss, well, he went all the way up in the 8th round. The Bills running back of your choice, are you waiting on whoever goes last, or are you betting on Moss? You know, in this format, I would probably um, I would probably want to wait for Singletary. However, uh, both players, their situation with scoring the ball inside the 10-yard line becomes very, very difficult because of the quarterback. The quarter, and I don't see anything changing there. I also see that they have um, receivers that can get open around the goal line. Uh, and, and so there's no problem with either of these running backs except they don't score the football enough. Uh, and, and I like Singletary's fast-catching skills. Um, but both of them are good picks here, especially if you believe that Moss is going to continue to blossom. Now, he's had some injury situations that go you know, back to college that have plagued him throughout his career. I don't know if Singletary would be a go-to uh, every down running back. He's a good complimentary player. has a role in this format. Uh, for running backs in the 8th through 12th round, I'm probably looking somewhere else unless I'm going uh, – unless I've already got some Bills players or perhaps that – Wonderful uh, digs and uh, quarterback uh, stack there. I uh, do want to get back into the analysis of the 13th round here, ladies and uh, gentlemen. But before I do, 
I do want to go out to back out to the phone lines here and take a call from the 347. You are on the air with Farrell Elliott and Eric Balkman here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Who do we have the pleasure of speaking with now? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. This is Jason Petropoulos of Team 4. Uh, well, Brodo not only Team 4, <laughs> uh, but sell yourself, Jason. Brodo Fantasy Football, baby. Home of the – you guys got a brand-new app. The podcast is killing it. You're adding new talent. You're crushing it over at Brodo right now, man. I mean, I just assumed you were going to do the promo for me, so I just uh, passed it off to you. But, yeah, we just – the Fantasy Football by Brodo app on all app stores. It is everything you need in an app. And, uh, like like you guys said, we have a team of writers, and we're releasing content every day. We're doing a lot of stuff over there. Um, you are doing a lot of stuff in this draft, my friend. Did you plan on Travis Kelsey being there for you at the at the 104 tonight? I mean, that, that's a little bit later than he normally goes in this format. Yeah, I was ecstatic to see Kelsey fall to me. Uh, the best success I've had in FFPC drafts are where I took tight ends early. So I'm very happy to have Kelsey there for him. Um, I like what you're doing on, here with these wide receivers. It's, it's very impressive, this middle group of wide receivers. And they're all made for this format. And I'm curious if you're going to add any more Jets. <laughs> yeah, maybe Zach Wilson to tie it all up. Listen, people forget E.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley um, that year where they were both drafted in late in drafts. In best ball, they combined to be a wide receiver one. Uh, people underestimate that the just teams in the late rounds of just grabbing those top two receivers on teams people don't like. So I'm happy to have all of the Jets receivers. One of them will pop off every week, hopefully. <laughs> well, you've got one that's you going to pop me. off more often, and he's from Kentucky, and I'm waiting to see if you're going to put him on your rosters in a later round. So that's all the hint I can give you on that. Uh, if you're Jason. talking about Denzel Mims, I think he's off the board. Nope, not Denzel Mims. We'll oh, keep digging. Crowder, he's no, already he on my team. Jameson Crowder, not from Kentucky, but went to the Derby in 2018, I think. I saw him there in 18. You saw Jameson Crowder at the Kentucky Derby? Oh, (laughs) yeah, you see all the guys at the Kentucky Derby. You know, it's a great crowd. (laughs) I got to get down there. I got to get down there. There's another jet receiver there just waiting to, to deliver this team, the final knockout blow to deliver this team the championship. And, and you, I just, Jace, you just not finding him. Hey, um, much as I love to talk about New York Jets receivers from Kentucky, Jason, I do want to ask you about um, DeAndre Swift because we've we've heard mixed reports on, you know, from the coaches there um, with, you know, Jamal Williams being the 1B to DeAndre Swift's 1A. Um, You obviously are a believer in DeAndre Swift to make him your choice at the 304 tonight. How do you break down that Lions backfield? Is Williams going to have a similar role that he did in the last couple of years in Green Bay, or is it going to be something more in Detroit? Yeah, before I answer that, let me draft Brashad Perriman here in the, the former Jet. Oh, ah, there you go. The That's round. not it. That's <laughs> not it. Uh, but really, at, at running back 17, I thought that the upside there compared to the rest of the running backs in the uh, in the draft room, it just I didn't want to pass it up there in the third round because I felt that if I wasn't taking Swift there, then my first running back was going to be a Miles Gaskin in round six. Um, you, you had the choice between Robert Woods and Cooper Cup as far as Rams receivers go in the fourth round. Now, you went with Woods, and I, and I think that the, the Cup supporters 
um, or the athletic supporters, as it were, since he is, his last name is Cup, um, would say that, hey, Cooper Cup's going to have a big 2021 because he just was down in touchdowns last year. Um, and Robert Woods, obviously, I, I don't know exactly how many touchdowns he had. I don't think it was double digits, but it was close. You still went with Woods. Now he's got the new quarterback in Stafford. It, it, is, the, is there a chasm between Woods and Cup, or is it fairly close for you? Yeah, definitely fairly close. I understand uh, if someone takes Cup ahead of Woods. I've just at Brodo we we call Robert Woods the ice cream sandwich because he's just an underrated uh, star that people just forget about and he always produces. You always love the ice cream sandwich even though you're not going. So I was just happy to grab Woods there to have Justin Jefferson um, as my first wide receiver and I knew late I was going to try to grab some guys with a spike upside like Will Fuller. Um, I just knew that having a wide receiver too who is a bit more consistent would help me out more and that's why I leaned towards Woods. I think that's a great um, how, you know, we're coming up. You only have one pick left, Jason, and, and we'll get into your team analysis here shortly. But based on what you expected to happen tonight versus what actually happened tonight, how, how, are you, how do you rate your team? Do you feel like, ah, you know, I did the best I could. It's a little shaky. Do you feel really confident with it? Um, how, how do you feel about your team competing for this 2022 FFPC main event squad? I don't want to sound too cocky, but I'm giving myself an A plus. I'm very happy with the way it's coming out. There you out. go. I, that's, that's I feel like I'm getting values right everywhere. I uh, well, Farrell loves your receivers for sure. I like the Gus Edwards pick in twelve. Uh, I, I yeah. you know, Philip Lindsay was a guy I was really regretting not picking up in my earlier drafts this season, and now that I'm getting him, now I'm, I'm starting to have buyer's remorse a little bit. But I still think that's a solid pick for you. In, in round 13 uh, as well. Um, before we let you go, Jason, I want, I want you to, you kind of already did already, uh, promoting the new Brodo app. Obviously, you're doing a lot of stuff with um, rankings for Fantasy Pros again this year. Um, but talk a little bit about what you have coming up down the pike for Brodo Fantasy. Uh, and we obviously all follow you on Twitter at BrodoFFJason and at Brodo Fantasy as well. Yeah, thank you for having me, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about this app a little bit. Uh, if you go on Fantasy Football by Brodo on the App Store or the Google Play Store, it has everything you need. We have player cards, which have the combine numbers in the front and all of the statistics that we thought were most helpful on the back. We have sortable statistics in the palm of your hand. We have player comps, a draft tool where you can com- uh, compare players back and forth. We have ADP. Literally anything you think you need for Fantasy Football is on this app. We're going to be pumping out content every day. Uh, in the month of August, we do the Heat Wave, which is where we release a, a 20 to 30-minute preview of every single team heading into the season. So we're going to keep pumping out content. That's at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter and the Fantasy Football by Brodo apps. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. Jason, hey, before real quick, you go. I, I, listen, okay, go, Farrell, ahead, go, go ahead and ask your question. No, no, Farrell, you go ahead and ask your question. Jason, I lied. There's one other question I've been meaning to ask you this whole interview, and I forgot about it. So, Farrell, you go, and then I got one more. Well, I only had one self-serving comment. As we want you to come to Kentucky and play, we're going to put you in a room of potential customers that you've never met. And, you know, something about the heat wave, if, you know, Balky's been here every year. He'll tell you we got a heat wave of our own waiting for you. And when you get down here, we're going to help you find that jet, that right jet receiver. Are we talking Keelan Cole? Is that the? There we go. We finally. There you go. I knew you did. You knew it the whole time. You just didn't want to say it. But yeah, that's who it was. (laughs) 
Um, Jason, something that you guys have developed, and, and I don't know if it was you or Tim or Mike or, or whoever came up with it. Tell the listeners a little bit about true throw value and why Ryan Tannehill is like the god of it. Oh, yeah. I always love to talk about Ryan Tannehill. Uh, true throw value is a statistic we came up with, honestly, because a guy I drafted today, Corey Davis, was always so um, hyped up and never lived up to the hype. Um, so I thought to myself, what's a statistic that could show that the targets he's getting from uh, Marcus Mariota aren't as valuable as the targets he's getting, uh, let's say, a wide receiver on the Saints, aren't as valuable from Drew Brees, right? Um, so that's what true throw value tries to decide. It's sort of an adjusted fantasy points per attempt where we want to see how many points these quarterbacks are getting every time they drop back and how it, and how it translates to the wide receivers. So then we take the quarterback's number, apply it to the wide receiver, and it tells you how many points you should expect from this wide receiver when he's getting this many targets from this quarterback. Uh, and we find it to be very helpful in Ryan Tannehill um, it's the reason why A.J. Brown is so good on limited targets because Ryan Tannehill is super efficient and A.J. Brown is able to do a lot with a little because uh, Ryan Tannehill is throwing him the ball. If you want more great analysis on not only true throw value, but everything fantasy football, first of all, download the Broto Fantasy Football app, number one. Follow Jason on Twitter at BrotoFFJason and follow uh, Broto Fantasy on Twitter at Broto Fantasy. Jason, congratulations on a very successful draft. I think you are going to be in the thick of it when it comes to who wins this uh, 2022 FFPC main event squad. We will all continue to listen to the Broto Fantasy Football uh, podcast that you guys keep putting out. Keep up the great work, man, and always good to talk to you, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. Uh, I hope that everything you said about my team doing well uh, comes true. <laughs> yeah, we do too. We do too, man. Go, go Team Petropolis. Jason Petropolis uh, joining the show tonight uh, from Broto Fantasy Football as he is drafting from the number four spot tonight. Um, and we'll get into his team analysis here shortly. Um, Farrell, we'll, we'll try to – I'll go pick by pick. The, the draft actually just ended. And I believe we left off in the, um, in the 13th round. So we'll at least get to the 13th round. We'll talk a little bit about the, the picks here as much as we can in the next 10 minutes before we either take another phone call or if we um, start switching to our team analysis on this. Um, Rob Gronkowski, 1301, followed by your boy Nelson Aguilar. Just, just to clarify, Aguilar is the Patriots receiver you're drafting this year, right? Oh, probably not. There isn't a Patriot receiver I'm drafting this year. But if there, I guess I'm saying if there was, that's the one you like best, right? Well, sure. Yeah. He's the, uh, <laughs> well, he's still not going to find his way on your team. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I just cannot count on him to catch the ball. Uh, he can get open. He can make circus catches. He can be very, very fascinating as a player and run big plays. Hey, you know what? If we're in this format, I'm drafting. But, you know, he's stuck in the 15th okay. round of the redrafts for a reason. Yes. No, you're right. I get it. Um, I, every, You know, I, I don't know if, if this is the same with you, but you had that situation. I think it was in Philadelphia a couple of years ago where there was the burning building and they had to, uh, yes. to throw kids out of the building and the guy was catching them. And, and he was a total hero. I mean, this is something that he is yes. going to remember for the rest of his life. He's a hero in Philadelphia. And they were interviewing him on live TV, and he said, yeah, I was catching the kids. 
uh, unlike Aguilar, you know, which is just so <laughs> hilarious that these, you know, Philly fans, I was actually, all right, so I'm going to say this right now. I was in church on Sunday and, and there was this, the sermon from the pastor was all about um, loving your neighbor and, and judging and everything no. like that. And, and he cited Philadelphia in, in a recent study about the most hostile place to live in the United States. Ironically, yes. it was the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, yes. the most hostile place to live, whether it's people walking down the street, whether it's their fans filling up the vet or, or um, you know, any of the stadiums they have there, the Spectrum. I think I'm dating myself here. I don't think the Spectrum or the vet are the link, right? It's the link now. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, it's just it's a hostile place to live. And they're taking shots at their sports heroes as they're catching babies coming out of burning buildings. You can't make that up. Good, such good stuff there out of Philadelphia. Anyway, Paris Campbell off the board at the 1303 to Mike uh, Stanowski. Philip Lindsay, we talked about him. Zach Ertz um, off the board after that to the number uh, – he is the number three tight end drafted by Mark and Amy Palmer. Naheem Hines, Blake Jarwin, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the third quarterback selected by Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland. Uh, all receivers the rest of the way in the 13th. Emmanuel Sanders, Rondale Moore, Marvin Jones, and another receiver from the Patriots, Jacoby Myers. We talked a little bit about him last night. Farrell, I don't know. I can't remember if Jared Smola or Matt Schauf are drafting in pros versus Joes this year. I know they have in the past, um, but mm-hmm. I know they are high. Well, I, I shouldn't say high. I know they like Marvin Jones this year in Jacksonville. Now, Marvin Jones joins a squad with a new quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, but he also joins a squad that has already taken LaVisca Chenault early in the draft last year, and they have DJ Chark, a guy who's really come on. What do you make of Marvin Jones signing that free agent deal in Jacksonville? Is he a steal here in the 13th round for Petrie and Larson? Um, I drafted him, I think, in the Scott Fishbowl, and it's the only league I've drafted him in so far, and I'm not sure what to think of him yet. Can you, uh, can you help me try to understand Marvin Jones for the 2021 season? Everyone has hesitancy about Marvin Jones because they talk about a lot of competition there. But Marvin Jones is the, is the standard bearer veteran receiver who's going to help that wide receiver room. He's going to help them all be better, including Etienne. And he's going to be a focal point for this quarterback. I love the fact that it's a rookie quarterback throwing the ball to Marvin Jones. If you, if you change the equation – um, I, I wouldn't, if there was a veteran quarterback there, I, I would say that, uh, that Marvin's opportunities might be a little less. But, yeah, you're going to lean on Marvin Jones. He does everything right as a wide receiver. He can't seem to get on a winning team, and now he's got on a team that won two games last year. But he is, he, Marvin Jones, nine touchdowns in 2020. Marvin Jones, nine touchdowns in 2019. He'll find the end zone. He'll make the catch. This is a real receiver. This is a receiver that Patriots should sign. I want to go back out to the phone lines and welcome in a very special guest, the guy we had on these airwaves not just a few weeks ago, the Paradox himself, a guy who drafted tonight from the number three spot. It is Mike Stanowski. Mike, welcome back to the program. How do you think you did tonight, dude? Hey, thanks, guys. Good to be here. Uh, promise to give you guys a call back. So definitely uh, wanted to make good on the promise here. Uh, it took a lot of You're the man. turns today. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, the, this one took a lot of twists and turns. Um, so I, I think in terms of roster construction, um, 
I, I took a lot of swings, and, you know, I told you guys when I came on I wanted to finish first or last, and uh, it, it seems like, to me, this team has, to, has a chance to do that. Uh, you were well, well okay. on your so way, buddy, to finishing to, to finishing first here, and I don't. What were you thinking when you went with Josh Jacobs? That's the question I've been wanting to ask all night, Bucky. What 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 <laughs> made you take Josh Jacobs here? Yeah, I, I knew that was a polarizing pick, and and originally I I came into the draft kind of with my plan set out. I, I anticipated get anticipated getting Kelsey. Um, but when Cook fell to me, he, he was actually the only running back I was going to take over Kelsey. Um, so that threw a curveball uh, right away. I was thrilled to see Chubb there. Uh, I mm. love Nick, Nick Chubb this year. Same thing with Hilaire. Uh, I'll, I'll get to the, the Josh Jacobs. Um, but, yeah, in, in Cooper Cup, I, I could see him moving up into that wide receiver one tier this year. Um, and, Originally, I did plan to to take another receiver there, but when when Jacobs fell to me again, like his touches, his workload, I'm I'm not terribly worried about Drake. Um, and I thought of well, if I do this, it's it's going to be tough sledding. I'm going to have to make some tough decisions later on. But that also locked me in into my roster construction of just having a really efficient backfield and just having four guys who are going to get touches, are going to get a workload. Mm-hmm. Um, if if they get injured, again, I, I'm going to lose anyway. So instead of using those late-round flyers on running backs or, or even mid-round, um, now I don't have to worry about running back the rest of the draft. So it, it might not be the most efficient pick, but I was comfortable going that route and just going for running backs. It's uh, um, the, the, the go-ahead, Bob. No, I was just going to say, um, just breaking down your first three picks, not necessarily the players, but when you look at knowing, Mike, that you had the three pick, were you considering going three straight running backs to, to start off the draft, or is that something that just sort of presented itself based on, you know, a lot of people going heavy running back early? Your first three picks, um, what was the thought process on, on going running back with all of them? Yeah, I I didn't necessarily have that as my number one choice. Um, Like I said, I I thought Kelsey and then a running back, and and I kind of had my pull I was going to pick from. Again, I was thrilled to to see Chubb there. Um, And then when Hilaire fell fell to the third round, again, that's going to be a guy with high-volume touches in in the best offense in in football, at least the top three uh, best offense in in football in his second year. Um, Again, it, it was that was mostly a value play. Um, the receiver I, I actually consider there was Keenan Allen. Uh, I'm really high on Keenan Allen this year. Uh, but, yeah, again, just going going with it, man, going with the flow and saying, well, you know, the, the value, at least on my board, is falling to me. You know, I've been in these positions before. Now I understand that, you know, how the rest of the draft is going to fall. I definitely did not expect to have Jacobs right behind that, really, uh, but, you know, getting Cooper Cup made me a little more comfortable doing that, and I felt comfortable enough digging deep on receiver and adding volume there that it, it kind of opened that play up for me. Mike, I'm going to be honest with you. When I look at your tight ends, you took Evan Engram in the eighth and Irv Smith in the tenth. I think there's a pretty good chance that Irv Smith actually outproduces Evan Engram this year. You know, Engram's got to deal with not only the addition of Kyle Rudolph, 
but the addition of Kenny Galladay to that offense. And Irv Smith, uh, Irv Smith looked really good in the second half of the season last year. He could end up being your number one tight end on this squad. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Uh, the the Ingram pick, I, I definitely reached a bit there, and and that was again kind of reading uh, what was going on behind me, right? So so Jeremy did not have a tight end quite yet. Um, I do think Ingram might be a little undervalued now. If if we look at again the, the volume uh, from last year, we uh, I do expect that offense to improve a bit. But yeah, Galladay is going to gobble up some volume, but. When I reviewed targets, right, just purely tight end targets last year, Ingram was up there. He's over 100 targets, almost 110 targets last year. Even if that regresses down to, let's say, 80, 70, 80 range, as long as, long as he could stay somewhat efficient and give me enough good games, I kind of look at him as, you know, if I'm not going to go with that top tier, I'm going to go back to Evan Ingram, right? And, in it, you know, thinking about, like, Dallas Goddard, for example, people are – super high on Goddard, but when you look at the body of work with Jalen Hurts, right, who's going to be thrown to him, again, looking at those guys a little bit above him, I just thought he was being, even despite the concerns, I thought he was going, being a little undervalued given the volume he's had and given his pedigree, right, his draft pedigree, his, his pedigree over time on the Giants, um, I don't see him completely falling off. And again, I was thrilled to see Irv Smith fall to me too, because He's he's the like upshot guy, right? He's the guy that I'm yep. looking at. Like if he pans out, bam, like we're off to the races. Um, Mike, uh, I want to talk about your 17th round pick here, Amari Rogers, uh, real quick be- before we let you go. Um, this is a player that yep. the defending overall champion, co-champion, I should say, along with Bip Lab Mandel, but Hudson Curran Reed was talking about him in the um, in the chat room tonight as we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. You talk about Amari Rodgers, his rookie year. What are your expectations for him? Because he's not a player who always gets selected in the best ball slims. You get him in the last, second to last uh, round here. What are your expectations for Amari Rogers, his rookie year in Green Bay? There's a massively wide range uh, to those outcomes. But, but just looking at him and, and, and kind of going a little bit of a different angle, right, his, his kind of mindset and his um, – I think his, his mindset coming off the ACL injury and just reading about how he pressed himself, uh, I know it's kind of a fringe angle, but if you look at the guys Aaron Rodgers tends to kind of to jive with, right, the hard workers, the guys who are going to bring it every day, learn the playbook, and get in his good graces, I think he has an upshot as a third-round pick. I, I think there's a massive upside there. He could be nothing. He could not even see the field this year that that is within his range of outcomes. But I do see a world where Amari Rodgers is, you know, at the end of the year, we're talking about him as one of the better receivers taken in the draft, right? And especially connecting him to his namesake, Aaron Rodgers, there's not much more upside than that to hit that late in the draft. Um, listen, Mike, this was so, so much fun catching up with you again. Don't be a stranger. Obviously we all follow you on Twitter at Mike Stanowski and we wish you nothing but the best of luck as you try to win a 2022 FFPC main event, uh, uh, team in this, in this draft. Thanks so much for calling in again. Always a pleasure talking to you. Don't be a stranger. We'll talk to you again real soon, dude. All right. Sounds good, fellas. Good catching up with you. Thanks, Mike. Mike Stanowski, ladies and gentlemen, and before – go ahead, Farrell. 
Balky, uh, man, I, I love I love Mike so much, and I think he's a great player. And I think that just reaching for one of my favorite Raiders uh, got him off his game. That, that's you know that one player that you could take in a draft that you went away from, and uh, you know I I, uh, I have concerned about his tight ends, I, and and you know he he deserved a better run. So with me saying that, he's likely to to push out and win the thing. Have we got any incoming calls from the 216? We absolutely do. From the shadows oh, of I LeBron James's from the shadows of LeBron James's championship banner that he helped hang for the Cavs that I'm hoping Giannis Antetokounmpo can hang in the uh, in the 414 in Milwaukee tomorrow night. Let's go to Team Shocker, the draft head junkies. I, I don't know if we have yeah. Jason or Aaron. Who is it? You got both of us. You got both, man. Oh, hey, I just got done recording a podcast. <laughs> a Jeffrey, they share the, the same microphone too. and the same brain, Balky. So it's 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 understandable. <laughs> you get both of them. It's, it's, the, it's the hive mind. <laughs> yes, I'm it's the hive mind indeed. We, we we have a whole hive on the line right tonight. Uh, so listen, guys. You you guys are producing the podcast at Drafthead Junkie on Twitter. You guys are doing a great job tonight. You did a great job in the draft, or did you? How did you feel like you guys did from the seventh spot in FFPC Pros versus Joe's number two? Well, we, we, we had a couple strategies. We really wanted, like, an RB1. You know, we thought we wouldn't have a shot at Waller, just, you know, seeing where he's been going in the top five already. Um, but once we saw he was there, we, we couldn't pass on Waller. And then we just – our first three picks, we have three guys who are going to catch 100 balls. That was just hard to pass up, and – it came at the expense of running back. So we'll see how that pans out. And then so, the way so I look just, at our roster. Oh, go ahead, Balky. No, I, Aaron, I was going to ask you, like, oh, I, I want to break down your roster, obviously, and, and, and your philosophy. But based on Jason's response to that question, um, it sounds like you guys want to be elite, right? And, and, and to be elite, obviously, targets, receptions help you. You guys also got elite at uh, quarterback, and, and you cracked the quarterback cherry, as it were. Um, with Patrick Mahomes in the fourth. Was that the plan going in to draft quarterback early as well? It was not, actually. And it was hilarious because the debate between – it was between Patrick Mahomes, Robert Woods, and Javante Woods. And Robert Woods is the oh. third person, but it was a hard debate for us between Javante Williams and Patrick Mahomes just because we ignored the QB position so much. And we were hoping for, like, a – at Carson or Montgomery or Sanders, somebody to drop to us in the fourth, and they didn't. So that moved Javante Williams up because we feel that he's going to be the starting running back in Denver. Melvin Gordon, I don't even and think he's going to be on the roster. He could be in Atlanta for all we know. Come the start of the season. <laughs> so when we went past the homes, we were like, okay. We looked at, like, we have an elite tight end. We could have a wide receiver one or the, the number one wide receiver in Ridley because Julio is gone. In and out is consistently a target hog, always going to be a wide receiver one. And then we're like, epic, just add Patrick Mahomes because you know you're getting the top QB. And then as the draft progressed, it played out perfectly because all the quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks went, the top tier quarterbacks went, and Javante Williams still dropped it. So it worked out. So, so, so congratulations, Lenny Williams, times. guys. Congratulations yeah, I, on Williams. Balky, I have watched these guys debate in a minute's time for years <laughs> at live drafting. Their debates are their debates are legendary. They're quick. 
They're but they're but they're legendary. Are there? I'm not looking at the roster guys. Are there any Buckeyes on it? Shockingly, no Buckeyes. Not a single one. There's no Buckeyes. So you, don't, wow. you, know, you don't get to do the no little Buckeyes, cheer no for the Ohio State draft. Right. Well, so, you, you, got, know. you guys screwed us with the slim draft, so we lost ten rounds. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jason, let me ask you this. Um, Farrell was just talking about the debates. So Aaron said you were deciding between Patrick Mahomes, Robert Woods, and Javante Williams in the fourth round. And Javante Williams yeah. obviously makes it back to you in the fifth. You guys take him there. Now, I've been in these situations with, like, Leroy or the Dizzle, and the guy yeah. makes it back to us in the next round who we were debating in the previous round. And then it always kind of creeps in your mind, right? Like, okay, should we take him here, or should we wait another round and maybe draft somebody else? Was Javante Williams the slam dunk for you in the fifth, or were you considering anybody else? No, I mean, I mean that's that's all that was there. I mean, I guess Kareem Hunt maybe might have been the safer pick. You know, we definitely needed to a go Brown. back just to get a yeah, a Brown, yeah, because we ignored it. And Kareem Hunt, you know, was a top you know a top twelve guy last year. I think he's super safe. I don't think he has the, the feeling, you know, that other running backs did. So that that was the decision with we went with Javante Williams because we think he can take over that backfield. Uh, I think Denver's can run the ball really well, and, and that's why we went with that pick over Hunt. And we thought we had a shot at a Hunt going back in the six. Aaron, um, th- you guys are used to drafting a lot of 20-round um, 12-teamers, right, at where you manage the teams throughout yeah. the year. How difficult was it for you guys to sort of make the adjustment to an 18-round slim where, you know, y- 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 the emphasis on getting every pick right is magnified a little bit knowing that not only do you not have the 10 extra picks in a best ball or the two extra picks in a managed league, but you can't touch the waiver wire at all this year. How difficult of a transition was it for you? Thankfully, Jason has prepped me, and we've done plenty of best ball drafts. So I have been knocking in, even out with Jason and not with the Draft Set Junkies podcast, where we do have a three, about a three-pack of the $125 best ball tournament. I have been tipping my toes into the $5 best ball, which <laughs> – Gave me a little prep, but those are five-hour best balls, so it's nowhere near the magnitude of something like this. So we're going against the analysts that we listen to. So we're trying to extend one day to be considered one of those analysts. So it's kind of like a little extra motivation that you had to be extra perfect. But we've done it. We've done our due diligence. We, we, <laughs> yeah, Jason. One thing we always the way we came up with our name of the draft pick junkies was. Our group chat, we always criticize Jason. We, we always use the Dave Chappelle meme of him sprinkling crack on a piece of toast. Because Jason is like a crackhead junkie when it comes to fantasy football drafts. Like any, he, the man has a draft going every single day. Whether it be slow draft, fast draft, whatever. He is always drafted. And so that's where inspiration for the name of the draft is junkie. And Jason has now infiltrated Jeff in my mind of drafting all the time now. I sucked them in. He sucked, he sucked us in. We're screwed. <laughs> I, I lend them a little credit, um, so I pay for the teams, and then they just owe me. So then I'm like, all right. <laughs> I know. Jason always holds the debt over me. It, it'll, it will never go away. I did buy all the podcast equipment, though, so that's all on my time. Thanks for our winning for Well, last good year. for you. Yes, exactly. Well, listen, that, that's and and now you're educating everybody, right? It's it's all about it's all exactly. about paying it forward to the fantasy football community. Uh, committee. Um, last question, exactly. last question for you, Jason. When you look at all 18 of these picks, Mr. Khan, who is your favorite pick 
among uh, the selections that you made tonight? Is it the aforementioned Mahomes, Javante Williams? Who is it tonight that you're like, man, I'm so glad we got this guy? Michael no, Carter. No, I, I, there, Michael Carter in the seventh? <laughs> Michael <laughs> Carter, Zach Moss. Well, the funny thing with Zach Moss and LaVisca Chenault was that was the debate was do we go Zach Moss or LaVisca and we got both of them too. Yeah. But I, I think Waller is going to be the guy that makes or breaks this team. If he's, if he's a 100-catch guy or improves upon last year, uh, he's a steal in the first at a position that mostly is garbage. And so you can ride that to a win. Uh, that's, that's I, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I want to invite everybody to not only follow Jason on Twitter at jcon216, to not only follow Aaron on Twitter at Ellen, Aaron Laser, L-E-Y-S-E-R, but to follow the Draft Head Junkies podcast on Twitter, at Draft Head Junkie. You guys are on Spotify. I know that. You're also on Podbean. Where else are you, can people download your podcast from? Those are really the only two places. I know you can do a Google search. We are working on fixing that because, like I said, I've used the Dave Chappelle stock image, and Apple and other podcast places are not happy with that image. <laughs> so we can't – they won't <laughs> Yeah, you don't podcast. want to answer that. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, right, yeah. So right now we're right now we got Jeff Sister, who has been voted one of the top artists in Cleveland three years in a row. She's working on a, a logo for us. I I certainly appreciate you guys coming on tonight. I, I congratulate you on a very good draft. I wish you nothing but the draft in all your leagues, and I look forward to hanging out with you in Louisville when I will be battling you, uh, both of you or each of you. I don't know which yet for players like Odell Beckham and Kareem Hunt going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely look forward to battling you, uh, Bucky. And Farrell can't wait to get to uh, Louisville for your great event in Utah. And Vegas See you for soon, your guys. great event you throw, Bucky. That's right. Absolutely. Jason Kahn, Aaron Laser, ladies and gentlemen, the Draft Head Junkies podcast co-host. Make sure you check that out on Spotify. Make sure you check it out on uh, Podbean as well. And of course, as soon as Aaron Laser gets those uh, those royalties, uh, or not royalties, but the, the copyrighted <laughs> image off the podcast, you'll be able to check them out on many more places. But Spotify, listen, they'll accept everything. Uh, good stuff from them. I always love talking to those guys. Man, now I'm all juiced up for Louisville. I can't wait to get there, hang out with those guys, have a bourbon or two. We, um, Farrell, I don't know if you, I, I can't remember if I told you this or not, God, this is, I, I am, I am going to, oh, man, there was a Saturday morning draft like three years ago where uh-huh. Jason, myself, Travis Cox, and I can't remember the other guy. Why can I not remember the other guy? I, he ended Taylor up winning Casey, the league. Probably. And, no, it wasn't Taylor Casey. It was somebody else um, who, um, he's had a lot of success in Kentucky, and I cannot believe I'm forgetting his name, but he was the 12, he was the 12 pick. Con was the nine, I was the ten. Travis Cox was the eleven, and or no, Cox was the ten. I was the eleven, and we did. We called ourselves the Bourbon Turn, right? Because we were we were drafting um, at the. It was like you know the end of the round and then the start of the round, and every break and sometimes not during a break, we one of us we, we you know would take turns and we go over and we grab some Woodford Reserve or whatever it was and bring it back to the table. And I got to tell you. Two and a half hours after doing the bourbon turn with those guys, uh, I was good and ready to not draft the rest of the day. But I did. I fought through it. And it was one of the most fun drafts I've ever had at the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship in Louisville. It was so much fun with those guys. 
Um, and I, I, ah, I can't, I can't believe I'm forgetting the other guy's name, but I know it was Travis Cox, myself and Jason Kahn. It was, it was a lot of fun in any event. Um, uh, yeah, and Kevin Williamson, by the way, in the BTR chat right now, good team name, the bourbon turn. I think that's what Jason Kahn changed his team name to for that it's draft. It could have definitely happened. I wonder if it was old Doc Hakey. Maybe it was Hakey with you. No, 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 no. It wasn't Hakey. Brandon Hakey. I, I, I will figure it out. It was not Brandon Hakey. Um, as soon as we sign off tonight, uh, we'll, we'll find out who it is. We'll figure it out. We'll figure we'll it out, and we'll get back to you for sure. All right, Farrell, um, we have about 15 minutes left in the program. We'll go rapid fire on this and, and try to talk about – maybe we'll talk about the teams okay. that, that didn't call in tonight at least, and, and we'll kind of, kind of analyze um, how they did. And we'll start with Jay Flake from the one position. Zach Prescott, Daniel Jones at quarterback. Running backs Christian McCaffrey, Joe Mixon, Ronald Jones, Latavius Murray, Alexander Madison, Rashad Penny. Receivers DK Metcalf, Adam Thielen, Tyler Boyd, Michael Gallup, Jarvis Landry, Tyrell Williams, uh, tight ends Noah Fant, Rob Gronkowski, Hayden Hurst, C.J. Uzoma. You know what stands out to me about this squad, Farrell? This is the definition of, hey, I'm either playing for first or I'm, I'm not going to do so hot because he went after a lot of players that need an injury to be worthwhile, right? You know, Tyler Boyd in the seventh, Michael Gallup in the eighth. You look at Ronald Jones in the tenth, Latavius Murray and Alexander Madison back to back in the eleventh and twelfth. Even Rob Gronkowski and Hayden Hurst in the thirteenth and fourteenth. There's and Rashad Penny in the seventeenth. If those if the starters ahead of those guys go down, well Jay Flake's got a contender for to winning the whole thing because he already has McCaffrey, Mixon, Metcalf, and Thielen, not to mention Prescott and Fant to start things off. So this is a team that um, you know, without injury probably won't do so hot, but we've seen a lot of injuries in the past. This could be a contender. Yeah, we have, and he, maybe he only has to have injury to one of those guys. But when you were going through those names, Bogey, there's not a player on this team that I would argue about, nor is there a player on the team that I wouldn't roster. Oddly enough, Jarvis Landry might be my least favorite player as a, as a producer mm. on this roster. And I don't particularly agree with your assessment that these guys, I believe Hayden Hurst will be on the field with Pitts, I, I talk about that consistently. I think that Jones, a young running back that pushed 1,000 yards last year, is going to do that again and going to catch balls. They're not going to let 450 carries um, go to Leonard Fournette there. Um, I, I very much like his quarterbacks. His draft started strong. I really like everything about this team. I like it a lot better than you do. I think the other thing to keep in mind, too, and I can't remember who tweeted this out. It might have been uh, Pete Overzet in the uh, Fantasy Life newsletter. Um, Pete Overzet, who, by the way, is in my Scott Fishbowl League, he said that um, he compared the stats between Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette last year. And obviously, a lot of people are on Leonard Fournette. Don't forget about Ronald Jones because they had a better yards per carry. He had a lot. As far as the metrics go and the analytics go, Ronald Jones was actually the best running back in the backfield. Um, uh, for Tampa last year. People forget about him because Leonard Fournette was so dominant in the playoffs, but Ronald Jones might be a guy that you want to target in your drafts going forward. We'll see how the rest of the PVJ guys handle it um, for the future. Now, Jeremy Brown, we have to talk about his team because he has drafted a league winner in the last two years in the pros versus Joes. His quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, uh, running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, Trey Sermon, and J.B. and Hawkins. Receivers, Tyler Lockett, D.J. Moore, Mike Williams, Russell Gage, Gabriel Davis, Nelson Aguilar, Sammy Watkins. Tight ends, Jonu Smith and Dan Arnold. Um, and Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, wow, I didn't realize he got drafted tonight. Um, so, Farrell, you look at this. I love the quarterbacks. I think Jared Goff is a little bit of overkill when you already have Stafford and Rodgers. 
The running backs, I think, are very, very good. The receivers seem to be a little bit of a question mark. Russell Gage is your number four. I'm not sure how much I like that. And then waiting until round 11 to draft your first tight end in Jonu Smith. Yeah, that could be okay, but Dan Arnold's your backup and the corpse of Jimmy Graham in the 17th round. Not sure I'm down with that. So this team, if, if the quarterbacks and running backs perform, it's going to be right there. But um, the, the receivers and the tight ends are the question marks for me. I keep waiting for more explosive players in this format. and I, You can't argue about his receivers not being good players, and maybe one or two of them, but they all seem to fall into being alike and being uh, what you can anticipate of their production. So, you know, a young player like uh, Kadarius Tony, uh, Paris Campbell would have been a nice addition to a team like this. Somebody that we don't know what to expect, but there's there's tremendous opportunity to create something. And these, these wide receivers don't – they'll be doing their job if they catch 60 balls, and I don't think 60 balls is going to win it for this, for this draft. We talked about Stanowski and Petropolis' team, so let's move on to Mark and Amy Palmer here from the five spot. Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Jameis Winston at quarterback. Alvin Kamara, James Robinson, Melvin Gordon, David Johnson, Devin Singletary, Malcolm Brown at running back. Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Julio Jones, Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Green, Christian Kirk at receiver. Tight ends Mike Gesicki, Hunter Henry, and Zach Ertz-Farrell. I think if the Dizzle were on this podcast, he would say you can totally tell this is a high-stakes player drafting this team right now. Deep at quarterback, deep enough at tight end, a lot of talented receivers, and you're seeing a lot of running backs on this squad with some opportunity here that were undervalued by the other 11 drafters. Tell me about this team makeup. Uh, who, who, are the, who are the drafters here? You have Mark and Amy Palmer, FFPC main event um, competitors. I believe they've won several football guys, players championship drafts, and I think a main event draft um, over the past uh, couple of years as well. Um, but you're looking at Kamara, Robinson, Gordon, David Johnson, Devin Singletary, Malcolm Brown, a running back, and then the core of the receivers were Michael Thomas, A-Rob, Julio Jones, and Juju Smith-Schuster. This is impressive because they look like they were very, very well prepared, and they did not drop off of their plan. It didn't depend on who became available to them. It looks to me like they stuck some to plan, and they got players with high upside. I really like this team. I think this is the team – that I like just as much as the number one team. And I love what they did at quarterback. Uh, that, that's my, my best aspect of this team. Yeah, the quarterbacks look very strong, very, very strong. I tell you that we talked about throughout the podcast tonight, Rich Rebar from Sharp Football Analysis, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Tua Tunga-Bailoa, running back Saquon Barkley, Aaron Jones, Tony Pollard, Naheem Hines, Tevin Coleman, Ramondre Stevenson, and Darrell Williams. Receivers, A.J. Brown, Robbie Anderson, Jerry Judy, Brandon Cooks, Curtis Samuel, Nico Collins, and then the tight ends, Mark Andrews and Gerald Everett. Farrell, no quarrel with the quarterbacks and tight ends. I think the running backs are strong, especially if Barkley's knee holds up. I think that's the big question mark on this team. But the receivers he got in the middle, Jerry Judy, who should take a, a te- take a step forward. Robbie Anderson reunited with his old quarterback that he had a lot of chemistry with. I love Brandon Cooks as a number one receiver in the eighth round. Curtis Samuel, Nico Collins, I think are nice upsides here. Rich Rebar, it kind of depends on Barkley's knee. But other than that, I mean, if it checks out, this team will be a competitive one as well. This, this is what we're looking for in wide receivers. We're looking for guys that put up big numbers last year, can put up even bigger numbers this year. And Gerald Everett, we, we, can, we can talk uh, 
about him making Waller-like improvements in his production. Moving on to, we talked with uh, Khan and Laser here at the seventh spot, so we'll talk about Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland's team in the eighth, uh, eighth position tonight. Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, Derrick Henry, Kareem Hunt, Jamal Williams, Tariq Cohen, Devontae Booker at running back. Receivers are DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, Odell Beckham, Devontae Smith, Cortland Sutton, Devontae Parker, Brian Edwards, and De'Ami Brown. The uh, tight ends, beg your pardon, TJ Hawkinson and Austin Hooper. Farrell, I, I'm not a fan of the tight end depth, although Hawkinson should cover up that. And the running back depth yep. to me is, is not here in this draft. The receivers and quarterbacks are great, but running backs and tight ends leave a little bit to be desired. They're going to have to hit it with wide receivers. They kept seeing these wide receivers. That's what fell to them as the running backs went off the board, and they couldn't resist themselves, and I can understand that. I Many of my teams uh, through the years have been wide receiver heavy and running back light. This is not a bad team. I'm not particularly intrigued with their quarterbacks. Somebody talked to me that they heard me uh, – uh, being a, a little bit down on uh, Baker Mayfield, who did improve last year. And uh, they said that Baker Mayfield's problem was that he was uh, in three games last year that had extreme weather situations. Well, they haven't moved the franchise. They're going to go and play in Cleveland again. <laughs> and guess what? They're going to have extreme weather situations in Cleveland. And maybe not three of them, but, you know, you get my drift. I love I love picking up Fitz, but they've got a problem if Fitz is not successful because, you know, the, he may not be the quarterback for the entire year. I hope he will be. I think he will be. But they've got a little bit of problem at the quarterback position, I think. Robert Trent from the nine spot takes Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan, and Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterbacks, running backs, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, Miles Sanders, Damian Harris, and Damian Williams. Receivers are Jamar Chase, Kenny Galladay, Michael Pittman, Henry Ruggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Traquan Smith, Marquez Galloway, uh, Marquez Calloway, beg your pardon. And then tight ends, Kyle Pitts, Jared Cook, and Anthony Ferkser Farrell. The quarterbacks and running backs, awesome. This team will go as far as the receivers and tight ends will take them. He's going to need double tight ends to score, and he might get that out of Cook, especially. Um, yeah, he's in this uh, in this dual flex. I would like to see guys going a little deeper at tight end uh, with guys that I think are going to catch more passes. Uh, Ferkser, I'm not high on. A lot of people are. Uh, you know, man, I hope I'm wrong. You know, when I say I don't particularly like a player, I don't want to necessarily be proven right. I want to be proven wrong. And uh, right. uh, he, he's going to make a big difference uh, for this team if he is right on person. You can uh, check out Two Hats, One Mike on Twitter and Scott Barrett, DFB on Twitter for Michael's and, Mike Leone's and Scott Barrett's team. Um, there's going to be plenty of analysis on that. Uh, the last one I want to get into is the re- the uh, defending Kentucky fantasy football state champions, Petrie and Larson here at the 11 spot. Tom Brady, Trevor Lawrence, Sam Darnold at quarterback. Running backs, Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson, James Conner, Kenyon Drake, Daryl Henderson. Uh, receivers, Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, Marvin Jones, Terrace Marshall, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Tight ends, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, and O.J. Howard Farrell. This is why I don't like drafting with Petrie and Larson, because this is the type of team I would draft. I think it's very well balanced, and I think this is going to be a competitive team as well with those stud receivers and those stud running backs. 
these guys are so strong and such solid drafters, and I can almost predict not the player they're going to take, but the kind of players and the way it's going to look. And, and, and you know, Bulky, that's the same thing you are. You're a very, very good drafter, and that's what's going to happen here. Uh, they got the steal of the draft in the 11th round with Drake, especially um, in, in this format. I'm very high on that. I would have liked to see them do something uh, a little bit different at tight end. However, it's sneaky good. My guess is that they had their eye on Everett. Somebody got him a few uh, a few picks before they could grab him. Uh, love what they're doing at quarterback. Yes, it, it, it's always a team uh, that will challenge. I'll say that uh, based on the based on the ability of Drake to contribute to this team and a couple other players. Uh, uh, the, the veteran players that they've taken at receiver to do just uh, a, a bit better than they did in the previous year uh, could deliver them a championship here. And if, if you want to compete against Petrie and Larson as they try to defend their title at KFFSC.com, go to KFFSC.com, sign up for the main events there and compete against them, compete against me. Farrell runs a great operation there. And, Farrell, you will be running a great operation tomorrow night. Pour yourself a bourbon circa 9.30 Eastern time tomorrow night because we're going to be on the air from 10 until midnight covering pros versus Joe's three. Thank you so much for popping aboard tonight, man. Talk to you tomorrow, dude. See you then, Bobby. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, follow him on Twitter at Elliott. Follow the KFFSC on Twitter at KFFSC. That completes our coverage of night two of the pros versus Joe's. want to thank Darren Armani, uh, Jason Petropoulos, Mike Stanowski, Jason Kahn, Aaron Laser, and all the guests that we talked to tonight. Tomorrow, we go live at 10 o'clock Eastern time until midnight for the Sweet Baby Jesus League number three. Pro, uh, beg your pardon, Joe's include Rob Vieira, Biplab Mandel, the defending champion, Derek Kappas, Robert Coe, Matt and Andrew Stone, and, of course, Ed and Mike Boo are uh, going to be competing against the pros featuring Rotoballers Josh Hayes, Alien Fantasy's David Dodds, NBC Sports Edge's John Daigle, Dynasty Depot's Nelson Verbit, Fantasy Mojo's Darren Armani, and NFL's, NFL.com Marcus Grant will all be drafting tonight. I want to remind everybody, register for the inaugural best ball tournament today at myffpc.com. Don't forget, we have some great Dynasty startups as well as the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, register for those. You can win uh, $500,000 in the FPC this year and $100,000 for second place. Um, if you want to get in on the main event and you want your draft slot by August 1st, now is the time to pay off those teams to register. And if you're already registered, $400 off each additional main event team. That deal expires in seven days. And, of course, don't forget about KFFSC.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll get these draft boards posted shortly, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Your week continues This has now. been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week.
I just want to give a shout-out to Kevin Williamson, the Bourbon City baller himself and noted Kentucky Wildcat fan, obviously a Devin Booker fan as well. Um, he is going to be joining the chat room tomorrow, very insightful individual. You heard him on the Chasing the Helmet podcast about a week or two ago, um, giving his thoughts on there. Now, tomorrow night, I'm going to be honest with you, probably will not be my finest podcasting work as I will have one, sometimes two eyes on the Bucks suns finals game from Fiserv. I am missing out on a grand opportunity to head to Milwaukee for the game in order to broadcast pros versus Joes. Um, so I, I apologize that the last half hour is not going to be great or the last 45 minutes or an hour is not going to be great, but hopefully we can keep it on the rails. And let's face it, if the Bucks are getting destroyed at home, it's going to be a great podcast. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.